powered by the Perdomo Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 226 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome our special guest, Alex Benson, to the show. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Saga Cigars is proud to introduce the, a new chapter to the saga, the Saga Celeste. The Celeste is a Spanish word that means leisure after work. In the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own dirty and making your own saga. The Saga Celeste is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celeste carries a brand of Criollo Olor and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with a surprising elegance of rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Be sure to ask your retailer for Saga Celeste. And by Perdomo Cigars, Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon valleys wrappers with tight Kai priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scott is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of their JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 226. It's Cinco de Mayo today for 2022. This is Will Cooper. I'm in the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage tonight. And I'm joined uh, cross-country by my friend, Colleague and co-host, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I was doing good till about 15 minutes before the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, but yeah, first, if, if anyone's been following, the, the Phillies have found a way to blow a 7 nothing lead. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I put the shirt on. I, I, I put the shirt on, which has been normally a bad luck shirt, and I should know that, at 7 nothing, and, and now they have found a way to lose a game, you know, lose another game. So, uh, yes. And then I had a couple of technical issues, uh, namely I was locked out of my uh, computer here for a second, which was oh, there you go. a strange thing. And uh, then the uh, then the uh, I use a little like read program for the yeah. For, then that froze. That was really fun. Uh, so then I go. tried to do it by memory, and that was a bad idea. So we just did a restart. <laughs> so everything yeah. went wrong tonight here. Um, but no, uh, I I understand, Alan, um, Aaron. We were talking before the show. Uh, you caught my cold from last week, so uh, I did. Sorry, yeah, sorry so about now that. you transmitted across the country, and I've got it now. So, yep, I mean, I went, uh, 
I went about like I went almost a whole week without smoking. So uh, yeah, I, I I shouldn't say I did sneak one smoke in, but but it was like an, I, I aborted it quickly. So yeah, uh, but I'm in Florida next week and I'll be on vacation. So uh, it probably did me some good to uh, kind of yeah. recharge, you know. There you so, go. So yeah, yeah. Um, but it may also be you know when I was flubbing my intro here. Um, I mean the guest we have Aaron tonight. Um, this guy's a legend, is all I could say. And when we put out the notice that this guy was coming on the show, I, the reaction was incredible. Um, so um, I'm pretty excited tonight about to welcome this guy. I've gotten to know him over the past couple of months, uh, but I've been I've known of him for like as long as I've been smoking. So I want to welcome to primetime the one and only Alex Benson. Of uh, now he's with Brand Shopper. Alex, welcome to primetime. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's an honor, Alex, to have you, and thanks for uh, the patience as we uh, I had to navigate through some uh, technical problems and then a uh, actually two technical problems and a flub. So I do appreciate your patience here. Uh, but uh, it's like I said, it's a real honor to have you on tonight. It's great to be. It's like uh, what did they say? Like a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, so it's, it's super pumped uh, to, to get the invite. Thanks. No, thank you. And it's the uh, on the other end of things, um, you know, I've kind of known of you for a while and we'll get into your background. I mean, you're, when you were with Cigar.com uh, was kind of around the same time I was coming up with this. And you were like one of my original like go to guys for what was going on. If I wanted to know what was going on in the industry, uh, Alex was the guy um, to, to, to go to. And it was just always you know, fun kind of reading your work and seeing the interviews you did. So um, I kind of look at you as a guy who blazed the trail for a lot of us here. So I thank you very much. Very cool. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's great to see what you guys have done with the, uh, with the podcast and congratulations on your, your five years. I was just actually rewatching the, uh, your five-year anniversary uh, uh, show the other day. So, I mean, so it's always entertaining. I appreciate it. And, you know, thank you for watching. And that was the show with uh, our, our mutual friend, Justin Andrews, who I want, I do want to really thank for connecting us here. Uh, yeah, we, but I think Justin, we pick on him more than any other person in the cigar industry. Um, and, uh, you know, some of it's deserved. <laughs> he, he makes it so easy. I mean, Correct. how do you not? <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, actually, like when I was starting out too, uh, Justin was very new in this and he was, with Lou Rod cigars. And I think there were a few of us who knew Justin, uh, obviously being in North Carolina, like I am, that we just, we knew he was going places, uh, whether it was with Lou or with some, obviously things with Lou didn't work out, but with some place we, we kind of knew he would be in this industry for a while and he's done very good for himself. Yeah. And it's, and it's also the, uh, you know, uh, like you said, been doing this for a while and, and talked to a lot of people about the industry and different things. But it's really the newer guys that I, I, I really enjoy talking to the most. I mean, I always love a good conversation with, you know, uh, you know Nick Perdomo or, or whoever. But a lot of the younger guys are actually just a ton of fun, you know, and, and have these way different perspectives on things that kind of think about cigars and some things in ways that I hadn't yet. So, yeah, uh, I love I love kind of this younger crop for sure. Yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting to see the, the uh, evolution over time. And I know you've probably seen this as well. Um, what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking the Oliva Serie B number four, shamelessly. The, the, <laughs> Good choice. That's a that's a great size, uh, yeah. by the way. I love that Corona size. I'm, I'm big on these. Uh, lately, 
Lately, I'm not interested in stuff that's more than like five and a half inches long and over a 50 ring. Like that kind of yeah. 42 to 46 has just been my jam for like the last year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, I, I remember when I first had that number four and it was really limited when it came out. Like it wasn't a regular production. I forget if I had to chase it down in Europe or somewhere. And I was like, that was my favorite size of that Oliva uh, Serie B uh, line for sure. Yeah, super good. I'm about to light up the flathead spark plug, uh, 450 size. Oh, so, nice. Yep. Uh, these cigars we gave out, uh, I think I mentioned my dad passed away. He was a car buff, and these are the cigars we gave out that night. So uh, uh, I'm going to smoke this one tonight. Um, and it's great that I have a pretty good palate to smoke on. So uh, I'm excited about that. But, you know, Alex, we always like to start off the show and, and learn about um, when we have a new guest on, we want to learn about their first smoking experience. And this is like independent of you getting into the business or anything. So so um, tell us about that. Uh, man, uh, well, uh, let's I'm trying to think of a, a nice way to say this doesn't get doesn't, doesn't look bad. But he, uh, I was I was younger, maybe not of smoking age. OK, uh, you, you know. But, you know, so really ever since uh, I'd say I was uh, 14 when I had my first cigar. And since I had my first cigar, I pretty much had a cigar every day since. So uh, I don't condone that. It was a very different time, I think, when I was that age. Uh, so certainly not advocating for that anyway. But no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget, though, I was I was at a party with some friends and and the girl that I was dating at the time, uh, her dad. Uh, and this was like, wait, what do I want to say? Like 94? So it's like peak of the cigar boom, you know? At the time, I, you know, obviously didn't know anything about cigars or anything about anything. And she went and got one of her dad's Monte Cristo number twos. Uh, and my buddy who'd had a cigar before, cut it, lit it, uh, passed it around, puffed on it, smoked it, probably inhaled it a little too much, all that good stuff. I, I don't necessarily remember exactly why I liked it, but I did. And I do remember puking after a while and then looking at my friend going like, that's fucking amazing. I'm going to get the cigar of the booze, the cigar <laughs> yeah, of the booze the, for the puking. Probably a little bit of both, you know? <laughs> you and so that's kind of like how it got started. And then I went and uh, I started uh, kind of squirreling away money where I could and would run down to the cigar store and, and, and buy cigars. And I converted an old cigar box into a humidor. And, and then I just got totally into it and like, fascinated with cigars and how they're made and um was picking people's brains all the time at the shop and even the guy at the shop would hold his his returns and his damaged stuff and he'd give them to me and i'd you know be there like dissecting them and and, and trying to like figure it out so it's kind of like ever since that moment it was just kind of this epiphany and then i would i would always kind of sneak out onto my roof after i was done with my homework because i had like a roof right off my my bedroom and I'd have a cigar, and I always thought it was so sneaky. Like, oh, I don't know how my parents don't know about it. I was telling my mom the other, the other week, actually, when I was at home, back home seeing her, and, and I was telling her about it. I'm like, how did you never know that I was out on the roof having a cigar? She goes, well, we just figured, you know, that you could have been doing so much other terrible shit that, that like, you know, <laughs> we kind of just thought, like, oh, this is the worst it's going to be, you know? Like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. so, so what's interesting, Alex, is we ask this question a lot of folks, and a lot of times when someone starts out like with their first smoke on the younger side, we don't see them kind of really get into it because there is a, you know, and we've heard other people say they're younger when they've had it. You, this is kind of interesting. You, right from the gate, you were really into this stuff. 
you know, I really, I enjoyed it. And, um, uh, and yeah, I mean, when I say like, Oh, I've had a cigar a day. I mean, certainly that's not like every day. And, and there were kind of some periods in time where I took kind of a little bit of a break yeah. from it, but, but yeah, no, um, I, I, I was, it was just kind of like this activation. I mean, I'm going back to 94 too. I mean, I, I just, as, as you guys are talking about it, bringing back all these memories, like I'm thinking back to like, like the old Puros Indios pyramids and the old Hoya de Nicaraguas and the Onyx reserves and the punch double Maduras, man. It's just <laughs> like, I just, I remember that man and the punches, man, they're just, they'd have that cabinet box and, God, I think that punch raw child was like a dollar seventy-eight, and you just go in and just grab a handful. Uh, it's like uh, you're bringing back some some good some fond memories. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, when you think back, and, and I was going to ask you around the time. Uh, I mean, it was pre-boom. You you were doing this. Were did you get into the cigar business like? right out of school was there anything else you were doing before you got into the cigar business uh no it's right out of school so um i graduated uh college in 2002 and a buddy of mine uh had started a who had graduated previously had started a uh, t-shirt company t-shirts.com and through that they ended up buying a company called cigar.com or the they bought the website but they bought another company called the smoke shop but it was kind of this whole thing where uh, they wanted to be in the t-shirt business and to get that t-shirt.com URL, they had to get the cigar.com URL. And admittedly, they didn't know a lot about cigars and they merged that URL with that smoke you know, company, which was based in Ohio at the time. So in O2, I was actually studying thinking I was going to go and kind of like get into banking. And I mean, the whole idea of like having a career and making money in the cigar industry, like never, never really crossed my mind as an option. You know, it was just, I just had never really thought about it anyway. So when I was graduating, the job market sucked and they were, they had been up and running for like two years and were like, Hey, while you're waiting on someone, you just come hang out. We'll do the cigar thing. And then, um, I, I joined the crew kind of, we'd be, uh, I got kind of, uh, invited to the, to have a seat at the table over there. And, and then it was like, Holy crap, like there's a, there's a way to do this. So that was like in 2002, and then we sold the company in 2005 to Cigars International. And I mean, it's just been that way ever since. Like, like you just kind of never look back, you know? Right, right. No, that's, um, and back when you did this, um, like Cigar.com, I mean, there weren't a lot of catalog companies or a lot of online companies, I assume, at that time, or were there? Well, you had, like, I mean, obviously at Thompson, which is right. always a staple, JR Famous. Um, I'd say we're, we're, we're really it. I mean, Cigars International, obviously, and then, and then kind of us. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day that it, it's, it's even kind of amazing to think about the number of catalog companies there are now, but uh, just kind of like how long some have been around, like, and how they progressed yeah. over, over 20 years. Um, you know, and then I remember like when Best Cigar Prices came out, I was like, bestcigarprices.com, like, that's kind of weird, but but they've made a great go of it and they, they do great too. So yeah, it's an interesting field, but you're right back then. It was, it was just a small number of players, you know, Yeah, it was, it was. And what were you, cigar.com had a built a following very quickly, Alex, what did you guys do to build that following with cigar.com? 
It was, you know, and I think that that's why Cigars International identified Cigar.com as a good acquisition because, you know, Cigars International was always kind of the, um, you know, great value, like, and they drove that really well. I think Cigar.com was always more about, uh, you know, the quality of the service and the uh, quality of the product. Like, I mean, the guys we were hiring were, were people that could really speak to cigars on the phone. They had, you know, I mean, this was kind of back in the day where like, you know, people didn't like, you, you don't like getting phone calls. Like people wouldn't get many emails, you know, but you know, we were actually hit the phone that our guys would love to talk to us, you know, and, and our guys had this relationship with the customers where it was like, dude, I know that guy goes through a box of Hoyt Monterey's caliber number twos every two weeks. And, you know, it just became like reflex just to pick up the phone and be like, Hey Dave, like, just kind of was thinking about it. You may be running low. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's in another box. And, and you get to know your customers on that level. Uh, it, it was great. And I think that that's really what we did differently. That was a, a huge focus for us. Um, and it's something that I still try to kind of like do moving forward. Like in college, in my summers, I would work for enterprise rent a car. And I learned a lot at that job. I mean, it was like their, their kind of attention to service and, and satisfying customers is really impressive and so that was kind of my thought was like how do we how do we integrate that into into the online experience because at that point in time shopping online was not only slow it was also very impersonal yeah it was how's that cao very good that flathead's a nice cigar man it is it is uh this size is one of my favorites too what size is that that is the uh, they call it the spark plug. It's a four by fifty box press. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a. I told Justin like you know now that Rick's gone. Don't you know you guys just make sure that no one screws don't, this up. Don't screw up here. Don't don't screw up. Don't screw up this cigar. <laughs> is what I told him. So he's <laughs> Alex. Yeah, you... man. Okay. Oh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, you mentioned like when you were at cigar.com, a lot of it was you were getting a lot of phone and personal service. But it was a dot com, right? But was at the time where people, and this is a little before my time, were they buying cigars online, or would, was it, were they still more comfortable picking a phone up and, and or mailing in a, a something from a catalog? Yeah, I mean, that was always kind of the wild thing too. Like we didn't do a catalog. I ended up doing like kind of like a digital thing. Uh huh. I always just thought, man, the catalog thing. So you didn't be do a, a catalog dinosaur. back then. Okay. No, um, we did once, once we went over to CI and then we started okay. printing a catalog and it was funny cause I was always kind of like, man, catalogs, like, you know, that's like what, what my mom like shops out of, yeah, like, Sears, oh, I'm not doing Sears. a catalog, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it's Sears catalog. Sears catalog. Like, yeah. Uh, and funny enough, when I went to CI, I saw kind of like the power of mailing a catalog. It's that power of, of the, of the different way to reach and contact your customer. I actually, then I, I kind of clicked. And, um, so, and, and here we are, what, 22 years later and, we're still getting a million catalogs in the mail, but, um, Oh shit. I've been rambling and I already forgot your question. Can you repeat it one more time? Oh no, no problem. <laughs> it was, we were t- I was just talking about like the buying patterns at the time when you were at cigar.com and I, and you mentioned a lot of people were still calling, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah And yeah, I was yeah, wondering yeah. were people still like, Hey, going online and, and buying cigars or was that or not? That's what I was kind of wondering back. Cause it was a little before well, I started getting into it. Well, all of our leads, I mean, all of our leads and all of our customers would come to us via the web. And certainly with our URL, we had great natural search ranking. And then once we would establish that electronic rapport, uh, one of our, every customer we get assigned a rep. 
and that rep would reach out and say, Hey, notice you, you know, place an order online. You know, we had, there's actually a person back here. It's not like, you know, your order's going into the, into the great abyss. And, and I think that that's kind of how that, that relationship would go. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we would do a little bit of cold calling on some lists. In fact, I remember hiring Corey Bappert wow. from, a temp, from a temp, from a temp agency. <laughs> and he was, and he was hitting this phone list trying to sell cigar of the month club, man, cold calling, <laughs> trying to sell cigar of the month club numbers. Yes. And like, so like, but that's like how it was. So it's like a little bit kind of like, like, like kind of like wall street pit and right. like, right. you know, yeah. and, and like, and all the hustle, but it was, you know, those were like the days. And now look, you know, it's like, talk about how far everything's felt. Oh, Corey's like the president and CEO of Oliva cigar company, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. wild. That is, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, see, one other thing that, and I, and this I mentioned to you when we talked for the first time, and I, meant, I kind of mentioned it a little tonight. I, when I started kind of getting into this, um, cigar, I think cigar, but then cigar.com was already a part of CI. Um, but one thing that you, I think, did really well is the way you kind of presented uh, your, what you guys were doing. It wasn't like just a sales catalog online, right? You were, you were, you were writing pieces about the industry you were interviewing people and it was done alex in a way right that it was almost like at me who kind of uh you know always embraces the journalistic quality like this is really good stuff this is not like a guy who's who's just uh trying you know trying to sell so you could see that you were really into it talk about how you got into that approach because that's something i think that was just like i said i always loved seeing that stuff when we so Cigars International is a really good partner because, again, I think we complemented their business really well. Mm-hmm. And really having access to their resources was, was huge. I mean, we were a little startup friends and we had investors and stuff over at Cigar.com. But, um, it, it, you know, <laughs> the industry was kind of always in flux. I remember there were kind of the rumors that, that you won't be able to mail cigars anymore. So, you know, then we were, they wanted to invest more on the T-shirt side. So sometimes I'd be running things on a shoestring inventory. You know, uh, and that, so going to Scars or Natural and just getting kind of plugged into their massive machine was cool. Uh, and then, like I said, they were like, okay, let's do a catalog. And I was like, catalog? Like, what? I said, okay, well, if we're going to do a catalog, then it needs to be the cigar.com version of the catalog, right? So um, I wanted to put a, a huge onus on the photography and even small stuff, just like the weight of the paper, the paper stock. And and not just that, I I, I didn't want it to just be a, Hey, here, buy, buy cigars. Here's a million things. We're cramming a hundred items into one page. I wanted less density. I wanted more information. And, and so really kind of that, that desire to really, I mean, I always thought about cigar.com's brand when we were here in Chicago, but then I really didn't start thinking about the cigar.com brand seriously until it was there kind of next to cigars international, because it was like, now I've really got to make sure that this is something different and it maintains its feel. So that was it. And it's funny because like now you look and you think about how e-commerce and sales are changing and how important social media is and the stuff we're doing right now. And what we found really when, when the millennials were coming up is that people want to consume information. That's a huge part of sales. But so it's weird. I guess back then you're right. Having an interview in a catalog or an article about, uh, like the newest Corojo seed that someone's growing, 
you're, you're right. You never, no one was putting that stuff in there. So it's, it's weird. We were, I guess in a, in a weird way, I could say we were like the cutting edge of this idea of consumers wanting to consume information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to put that. Um, because like I said, it kind of really started getting me into things with this. So this is like 2007, 2008 when I was, and I'm like, you know, I remember just reading that stuff and it was, you know, it was stuff that you weren't this. And it, what was interesting is, and you guys had a lot of products. I started learning a lot, of, a lot, a lot of products that obviously you didn't read about in cigar aficionado at the time, or like a lot of stores. I was, in, I was living in New York at the time and, and there were brands I just hadn't heard of that were, you know, smaller brands and um, blenders and, and things like that. And, and you, you were providing that, that avenue for me. You also made an interesting point. One thing that I remember was always a, like, a, not a controversy, but I remember reading it on the forums and stuff is, hey, is Cigar.com, Cigar International the same thing? I think you guys did a good job of keeping the two brands very, very separate like at the time. Where people were asking that question, you know, because they 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 did seem so different. Yeah, it was hard. There was only so much I could, you know, kind of share at that time with our customers, and I think that was the hardest part because, yeah. um, you know, and I and I do I understand why they're asking because if if you can buy a box of Macanudos from Company A or Company B, and it's going to get shipped out of the same thing, and but it wasn't true. I mean, we would process our orders from Cigar.com very differently. The shipping was very differently. Uh, you know, some of the product mix was stored separately. So yeah, but keeping those two things separate is hard because at the end of the day, you know, you're, you are interacting a lot with the same people, like the people on the other side of the aisle, the CI people, and then kind of the cigar.com people. And, and it is, it's hard to kind of not let that whole thing just mix together, you know, and a big part of that too, was that, you know, um, at the time, Keith Meyer, who, 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 who bought the company, you know, he, he made an investment and it was really important to me that it just didn't kind of fold in and become like something he already had. And that was really kind of the hard part of the job. So, uh, but I almost didn't, you know, I almost left the industry when, when we sold it uh, because, you know, three years had passed and I was kind of debating if I was going to stay in or not. And um, they wanted me to move to Pennsylvania and that just kind of wasn't in the cards for me. And um, they kind of just paid, hired me as like as a consultancy and, I don't know, man, here we are 18 years later and I'm still getting a paycheck. So, uh, <laughs> but it was cool. I remember cause Keith goes, we were, we were like kind of debating and he's like, what do you like? Cause I mean, it's time, it's, you know, you're running your own business, which is fun, but there's a lot of pain in the ass with it too. Right. I mean, you're, you're the trash guy. You're the, you're the, you're the, yeah. you're the, you're the cleaning crew, the maintenance guy, the, the, you know, we are, our, our crew at the time was about 12 employees. And I was like some 24 year old kid. It felt awesome. But, but, you know, when, when I'll never forget when Keith asked me, he goes, what do you like to do and what do you not like to do? And I mean, it was like the easiest question to answer. Love the product. Love the people. I hate accounting. I hate Photoshop. I hate accounts receivable, accounts payable. It's like, well, what if we just take all that away and you can just do the cigar stuff? And I was like, man, what? that sounds like it's like a dream, you know? So <laughs> Is this heaven? <laughs> I was like, what? And it's funny because now I'm working for him again which I, I'm sure we're going to get to. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and this time it was the same thing. He called me. He's like, hey, man, aren't you kind of tired of doing what you're doing? Like, come, come, come back over. Like, you know, because a lot of the original guys that started CI are over with Keith now. And he's like, hey, like, come on over. Like, we're, we're having a blast. And it always looked good. You know, you're kind of looking over the fence at the other barbecue. Like, oh, that's pretty cool over there. But what Keith did after he left CI 
during, I guess, this kind of non-compete phase was he started a hunting and fishing company called fieldsupply.com, which is still kind of under the brand shop umbrella. And that's like my other huge passion is hunting. So it was kind of the same thing where he's like, come on over here, man. We've got hunting stuff. You can play with all the hunting stuff. And like, we got the cigar. I'm like, oh, fuck. So wow, wow. it's been wild. Yeah. yeah. And, and then just for our audience, right? Keith Meyer was the only cigars in the natural. He bought out cigar.com. And then he got acquired by Swedish Match. Yep. So, and then Swedish Match got, obviously went into, you know, then joined forces with Scandinavian Tobacco Group. So you were a part of all of that change. Yeah, I've um, seen a lot of transition, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I want to say, I mean, the timeline's a little fuzzy for me, but if you kind of like put the whole thing together, I was starting Cigar.com. Uh, Keith bought Cigar.com in like 2005. And if you kind of look at like the mirrored path, that was kind of when ST, uh, which was just called Scandinavian Tobacco, not Scandinavian Tobacco Group, right. was, a, was acquiring CAO to try to push Winterman's into the, into the category here in the U.S. And then, then and right around that same time, um, Swedish Match was buying General Cigar and kind of merging kind of the Carrillo and, and General Cigar stuff all together. And then, um, yeah, so then in 07, Swedish Match added Cigars International and Cigar.com to their portfolio. And then at that point, they merged with STG, made STG, you know, the Scandinavian Tobacco Group. It was at 2000, maybe 12, and then STG went public. So, yeah, I've been, I've been around for all that stuff, man. Yeah. It, it made me feel old, dude. It's like I remember one of my first uh, cigar trade shows. It was in Nashville, maybe. I remember going in there, and I'm like the young guy, and I'm looking at all these old guys, and I'm like, ah. I'm never going to be one of these guys. Like I went to the trade show last time and I was looking around and I'm like, really young people. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm that guy. I'm that fucking guy. No, no, I'm older than you. So if that may make it feel better, I graduated we're, college we're in 89. Here. So, Oh, oh shit. You don't well, look it. Thank you. <laughs> I feel it. But I feel it. So you talked about when Keith said, hey, he's going to take all this stuff away from you and you can focus on cigars, right? Yeah. What did, exactly did that mean, right? Because, again, your catalog company, you drops to sell cigars. So what was kind of the end game in doing that? Well, kind of Keith wanted a little help with, like, the merchandising. I think that that and, – and that's, to me, the success of all good cigar companies is to focus on your customers and focus on your product. Right. If you're focused on anything other than that uh, – yeah, you know, that's a losing recipe. Right. And if you just do those two things, you know, you'll succeed. So that was kind of the focus that I wanted. And when, when you say product and, and Keith wanting to do merchandising, like to me, th that was like the, the coolest part of it was, and it, I think if you look at the trend over the last 15 to 18 years, it's that um, retailers are becoming suppliers and suppliers are becoming retailers, right? Like more and more you're seeing, uh, um, I think uh, suppliers and vendors opening up their own stores or maybe selling direct online or having some direct component. Yeah. And you see more and more retailers kind of getting into their brands. And it's kind of like the, the supply chain is kind of everyone's participating yeah. in it now, but that's really where it was. I mean, the first thing I wanted to do is a, you know, really kind of shore up our selection and get, get more of like the action and Padron and some of the things we were missing at the time into the portfolio, but also get busy working on, a really good portfolio because at that time and and no disrespect to Thompson cigar all, but at that time they, you know, had the iguanas and the bundles. And when people would think about 
uh, like a house brand or private label, it, it was just like, you know, it was what you'd smoke when you mow the lawn. You know, no, nobody was thinking about how do we make something that's going to go and, and be a, or a, you know, a Macanudo fighter or whatever. And so that was really like what we did. You know, so after my first consultancy and kind of getting my feet wet, and when they kind of said, hey, do you want to stick around? And that's really where that conversation took place. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, you know what I want to do? Like, first things first, I want to go spend six months in, in, in Honduras and Nicaragua. Like, I'm just going to go. I want to, I want to learn how to roll cigars. I want to like just – I want to live at the factory for six months. And, and Keith kind of looked at me and was like, uh, yeah, no, that, that's <laughs> definitely not going to happen. But he was, he was like really cool about it. He's like, hey, why don't you just go for like a week or two every – every like three or four months, you know, he's like, he's like, I'm not object to the idea. And, and then I remember I just, I rolled in to uh, Nicaragua and, and Don Lee and Esteli and just started knocking on people's doors, you know, and it was like, who is this guy? And I'm like, what the hell is this? But then, you know, that's when it really took off. We expanded the Cinco Vegas line at the time. We launched Diesel, Manowar, um, man, we had like Cuavana, but it was good stuff, man. It was, it was a different, approach i like to think about it like trader joe's i don't know if you guys have trader joe's yep. and, and yep. tried their wine it's the same idea man i mean some of those reserve bottles they have and those wine brands they have i love wine man what a value you know and and that's kind of how i saw it with cigars it's like a, a house brand doesn't need to be a, a 50 cent bundle cigar that that kind of just serviceable it can be it can be a really great cigar and so that's that's where the, all that stuff came together was Legends a part of that too? Because Legends was like, I remember when that came out, this is like, you guys had this brand where you were teaming up with these major manufacturers. And it was like, it was, I thought it was the coolest thing back then when I was getting into this. When that it was cool. Yeah. That actually was, that was, that was around when I joined that squad. Okay. At the time it was just, at the time it was Drew Estate, Rolando Reyes, Nick Perdomo, and like maybe, Manolo Casada, like I'd have to really go back and like think about that. But yeah, that was just kind of getting its legs because they bought the Cinco Vegas brand, and then the Legends was like a big part of that. I mean, I, I take I take no credit in the idea of this idea of of, of building a great stable of 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 a kind of proprietary brands. That's just kind of the directive that I came in on. I just really loved doing it. And I think I was kind of uniquely suited to see it through. Um, but uh, we had a great team that did it. And, and that's like, that legend was that. Like, I mean, it was cool when you come in and you're like, dude, this is, this is awesome. This concept's awesome. Like, how do we just do more of this? And customers loved it too, man. I mean, a great cigar for a fraction of the price that, that maybe they were used to buying. Um, and, and, you know, as people's circumstances change and maybe a guy lost his job and he can't afford the, the, the $7 Macanudo and he needs a, a good $3, you know, knock around, like we were there. And, and then what we found were people would, would try us and trade into it or even get it in a sampler. And then, then like that loyalty piece would kick in. And that was like, Hey man, what's the next thing for diesel or whatever? And, and, and then it just, dude, it was like wildfire, you know? It, it was really cool, Ox, because I when I moved to Charlotte, it was 2008, and for about two years, I was doing a lot of back and forth with New York. Um, and I was I the way I go drive is I take 78 through Pennsylvania and then catch I 81 in uh, South, and I'd always stop at CI. I, I'd stop at the store right off 78. I think it was off 309. It's, it's the smaller store, 
and, mm-hmm. I, and it, what was really cool is I pick up these brands and like the Diesels, the Legends, and I didn't feel like I was like sinning against my brick and mortar because they like yeah they were carried through Meyer and Dutch, but you know I felt like you know I could still get those you know there. That's a, a great little shop, and uh, that little one off. Yeah. Yes, it's three hundred nine. I think it's off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or yeah, the four hundred seventy. So it's a nice, uh, nice yeah. shop. I remember yeah. when they. I was definitely there for that opening. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but but you're right, man. I mean, and 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 that's like really where it's exciting when you can have that face to face interaction. I mean, I do love retail because you know I, people sometimes like to complain about catalog companies. My personal opinion is that retail needs mail order, and mail order needs retail. I mean, absolutely. I pre- and I personally appreciate all of it, but. I will say that, that it makes me super jealous when when I look at retail because it's such a tremendous opportunity to have a guy walk through the door and kind of see what he's looking at and be having that opportunity to interact. Like when it, when it comes to online buying, you just do your best to put the, the right information and the right product out there and just kind of hope hope that he gets it. Now, certainly could I, you know, send the guy a message, you know, or whatever and be like, oh, hey, I, I see you're looking at Macanudo, sure, but they'll think we're like a bunch of weird creepers and, and like, you know, that probably wouldn't go over very well. So I'm super jealous of the retail thing because, because you really get this ability to interact with your customer that, that I think that that's probably the one thing I really miss being yeah. on the online side, you know? Yeah. When you were there, were you involved with Myron Dutch at all? Uh, yeah. So Myron Dutch was like, um, you know, you just have people that wanted wholesale stuff, right. you know? And then, you know, you, you would, I remember people asking for diesel in Charlotte, like, and then finally my store brought it in. Cause they said, Hey, we can buy this. So they, they started bringing it in through Myron Dutch. Yeah. So that, that whole thing, I think that, yeah, like having those great brands, having those accessible price points, being able to work with brick and mortar retail across the country uh, was, I mean, Myron Dutch existed at the time. It was just a lot of like uh, Joe's liquor store needs a box of macanudos or whatever, you know. I would say that that's really what kind of catapulted the uh, the Meyer and Dutch wholesale product from, um, I, you know, kind of from being that non traditional retail or C store kind of customer to real traditional brick and mortars wanting to, you know, participate. It and I'm sure they weren't. I mean, at the time, I mean, I know they loved the brand. Now that uh, the general cigars put a real good push behind it, but you know, at the time, you know, I, I think like when, whether it was that or like at the time, I think El Rey del Mundo, you know, you'd have to get all that through JR, Santa yep. Clara. And I think it's the same thing. I mean, people ask for it. Eventually it's like, Oh, okay, I'll bring it in, you know, but I, it was always kind of begrudging, but diesel was one that I felt like, like a retailer. It wasn't kind of that like begrudgingly, like, Oh, I guess I got to bring in a few boxes of these. It was one that they like, actually recommended you know and like got behind and and then i think it, a lot of that i mean like a lot of the secret of the sauce on that is aj fernandez too you know yeah so i think that people were like oh who's this aj guy and like then it was like anything i mean for a while there man it was like anything that aj made it was like you, you know you wouldn't it wouldn't be a guaranteed success but what it would be a guarantee of pretty much is that if people saw that they'd be like well i gotta try that you know what i mean yeah um so you said you launched you would you were the original launcher behind those diesel brands, and I always kind of associated you with AJ from the very beginning because of these brands. How did you meet AJ? How did that relationship well, all come about? With the timeline that you're you're talking about, I mean, if you're saying that, that that's when you're kind of like reading some of my articles and doing things, mm-hmm. uh, then that timing is exactly like when 
AJ and I started working together. And in yeah. fairness, in total fairness, the very first Diesel was actually early 2000s. Before AJ, it was made by uh, Rocky oh, Patel. Okay. And Rocky, for me, man, Rocky was a huge influence. Sure. You know, I, I like to say that I went down there and started knocking on a lot of doors. Uh, the truth is, is that, and I did do a lot of that, but a lot of great introductions uh, to people really came by way of Rocky. And we've built a really great friendship now over the past uh, couple of decades. But no, Diesel we made with Rocky and it like, kind of did okay. And then it just didn't hold its own. And so it just kind of went into the trademark you know, retirement bin. And then when we started working with AJ, uh, it just kind of popped right out. So I'm down there, I'm just knocking on doors and doing stuff. Rocky actually, uh, in fairness, uh, through AJ's partner at the time, Chris, uh, made that introduction for me. But, and that was when Rocky was making, uh, remember when the winter blend first came? It's funny, I'm actually, oh, smoking. I'm actually smoking the winter blend right now. The <laughs> 2021 or an old one? The 2021. This is the new one, man. I saw this that was actually my cigar, on, on that was my list. Cigarty, that was my Cigarty year last year, just so you know. I saw that. I did. Hey, yeah. Listen, man, there's no coincidences here. Uh, <laughs> I got all my shameless plugging, like, Oliva, Rocky, like, no, no, all, no. All, all on sale now at CigarPage.com. No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Oh, no, feel free to do that. You know, so, but, so, but, but, but so when I when I did find AJ, I mean, I was wild because he was working out of a little house with, with three pairs, three mm -hmm. rollers. Yeah. And he was making the Rocky Winter Blend, and I smoked. I was like, dude, this is incredible. And then it just went off the chain. You, Because the other thing I, I remember one of your articles was on Lancaster, the Lancaster Broadleaf mm -hmm. rapper. I just remember I, you were the guy who introduced me to that, to that rapper. I remember there was something you wrote about that. And it, it, now it's all coming together with things right now, as you say that. Yeah, and and, and I, I mean, I by no I by no means discovered you know. No, but you kind any, of any kind of educated. But I do think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do, I do think I educated a lot of people on it, and I smoked. I remember when AJ gave me the cigar. I was like, man, this is this is yeah. crazy because Pennsylvania broadleaf when it's when it's uh, when it's uh, when it's in the curing barns, they burn hickory. You know, a lot of people like burn pine and other wood uh, when they're in their curing barns, but the Amish burn hickory, so. It's kind of got, it does. You can taste the difference between the PA and the Connecticut. And I think it's for that reason. It kind of almost, you know, I, I don't want to say like barbecue, but it's got that kind of like smoky kind of character to it. And at the time, people were only using it really as binder, right? And it's like people, yeah. there was enough selection for rapper. And, and then, you know, look, here's this kind of kid, AJ, young kid. He's like, hey, we got some stuff that's rapper grade. Like, let's, let's do it. And then, yeah, but really it was the customers, I think, that voted with their wallet at the time and, and made that a thing. And now now it's as hard to get as the Connecticut broadleaf. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's drying up out there. Definitely. Yeah, that's true right now. But uh, Aaron, man, what, what, Aaron, what are you doing, man? You haven't, you haven't said much. You've been quiet over there. Yeah, I, I'm just dealing with the cold, so it's not going to be the ah. greatest thing for me talking about <laughs> too much stuff. But I, I'm, I'm listening and learning a lot. All good. All good. Um, you as you kind of moved into STG, and as STG, like eventually as you moved into this timeline of events, and and made it to STG, I mean, you just really, I, I mean, when I talk to people that we had you on the show, yeah, I've worked with Alex on this, and, and you know, Alex is, you know, they've they've all crossed paths with you on that. It it almost seems like like Alex, you were kind of 
the guy who was bringing a lot of these folks together as you built these industry relationships. Are there any other ones out there that you're like exceptionally proud of as, as you kind of journeyed with this? Cause you mentioned AJ um, and Rocky in particular. Yeah, I mean, AJ Rocky, I mean, tremendous. There's been a lot of people that have a lot of great influences, you know, uh, Nick Perdomo for sure. And, and the Oliva family. I mean, we, I, I met the Oliva family back in, 2004 2003 and jose was kind of like he was kind of starting his own company I and mean, his family had the business but he was really kind of getting in and driving it and then i got to spend time with his brothers and i still go hunting with those guys every year or with with gilbert but you know with carlos i've got a wood business and i buy some wood from him and and i keep in touch with jose he's doing kind of food thing now so like the oliva family i think for sure is probably you know one that i i and, and the placentias sure oh man i mean nestor taught me so much about tobacco i've never purported to be any sort of a blender or some tobacco expert or anything like that what i think i'm i think my strength is is actually tasting i know what i like i you know, love tasting spirits wine food all that stuff and and for me i think that that's where i'm kind of strong but also kind of knowing what's going to sell you know, so it was kind of like all the other stuff. You just leave it up to the people where it's that's their wheelhouse. You know, yeah. I remember it was like Justin always said about AJ, like you're not going to go in and tell AJ how to make a cigar. Yeah. Same thing with Nestor and all these guys. I mean, that's what they're great at. And what's cool is a lot of those guys go, "Hey, look, man, when it comes to selling this stuff, like, you know, that's your wheelhouse." You know, right? So it's like this mutual respect, and I think we learned a lot from each other. You know? Yeah, no, that's true. I think that's very true that we see when. In 2000, I'm, I'm going to pull up the timeline here again, but we're, we're talking about 2017, 2018. You were still at STG, right? Uh, yeah, I was kind of in, in transition mode and uh, doing more stuff with General. Okay, so, yeah, so, you, yeah. so you, were you involved with the launch of moving diesel into the General portfolio? Yeah, I was. That was, that was like uh, right around when uh, Craig Reynolds was taking over a larger role Kind of and, and and kind of overseeing kind of both, yeah. I guess like the assets of SDG, right? So the brands that were CI and the brands that were uh, were were under the General Cigar umbrella. So yeah, uh, that was I, I was working with Michael Giannini um, with, and and they were also becoming very open at that time about working with other people, right? Right. I mean, before it was like. Hey, like we have our fact, and they do. Like, look, SDG makes great cigars. And, you know, no complaints there. But you know, there are a lot of great smaller people that are doing interesting things. So that was really a big shift, I think, in the focus was, hey, maybe we should work with some of these other guys, right? And and then kind of Diesel like folded in there because at the time it was it's Gene and E working on Time Flies with AJ, and while they're in there trying to like figure out this whole Time Flies thing, it's like, hey, you know, Diesel's right here. It's like really built ready to go maybe we don't have an item that that makes sense for retail a uh, traditional retail but why don't we just make one of those you know so it's kind of like i think those two things came out the same year and justin brought uh, diesel to the market right around the same time as time flies yeah it was right around the time and i remember they, they first moved diesel grind in there and i and i, I want to say it had a, a mixed result yeah. but then i think when whiskey row hit that's when everything changed yeah, Whiskey um, Rose was yeah. definitely, definitely that was like, okay, this is going to work. Yeah. You know, you're right, right. But I love Grind. The problem with Grind was it was just too damn strong. Oh, I mean, that's, was like, that's, that's it was like a, a boot in the face, you know? 
That was a beast, that cigar. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that that was like, hey, let's, you know, that, that'll be Diesel's introduction into the thing. I mean, it was hard because that whole decision got made in like April and the trade show was in July. And I mean, look, it takes at least 90 days to roll and properly age a cigar. Forget about packing it, getting it there, doing the brand design. You know, so they grabbed Justin. They're like, we need you to just like quickly figure this out. And then Justin called me. He's like, dude, can we, can we, can you help me with this? So they can, he's like, there's no way we're going to get this done on time. So that was actually how Justin and I ended up uh, building a great relationship was actually working on that project. Yeah. It, uh, and, 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 and Alex, and I was telling Justin this, I don't think, I can't think of another brand that made that transformation that, that Diesel did. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of credit. Uh, maybe I give Justin too much credit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was an incredible job you guys did to move that brand over like that. And that's, I don't think there's another comparable story in the cigar industry to talk about that. There isn't. I'm not sure it could be done again. I think Diesel was a very unique yeah. product for it. I think if we tried to kind of recreate that success uh, with a lot of other brands, I don't think, it, I just don't think it would translate. For whatever reason, that one just, and it was, that was always the one at Myron Dutch that the, the retailer, that was, the, that was always the product that opened the door to a retail account, right? Yeah. Like the retailer wasn't calling going like, oh, hey, like, uh, can, I, can I get like that bundle? You know, I, I saw on page, you know, five, it was like, hey, like that diesel's cool. Now, granted, they would try some other stuff, but diesel was always that kind of account opener. And that's why I think it translated well to general. And, you know, like you said, even at the time, there weren't a lot of retailers. I mean, a, a huge critical mass of retailers that were buying it from Myron Dutch. But there was a hot, you know, the, the, when General added it and after it kind of had been around for a year, I think then people had this comfort level to to give it a try, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I remember, in two, this is again pre-Aaron. Uh, sorry, Aaron. But like 2010, right? When, when, okay. See, when... When AJ came to the trade show with San Latano in 2010, it was a big deal because, like, we all knew of what he was doing with Diesel, and everyone wanted to see what he was bringing to the table, and that's what started, you know, AJ's, you know, that end of AJ's business with the brick and mortar piece was with, with was at San Latano. So I, so there was no doubt, Alex, that had a lot of footing that brand, uh, where I, I think it was a very unique situation, no doubt. Uh, absolutely that original sound latana was great and then even watching you know their brands kind of develop i mean now if you look at aj's portfolio with Bayas artes and new world and i mean the imagery and and the branding he's done a really good job he's come a long way since 2010 yeah. uh, for sure but it, it's impressive it really is and, and he's worked really hard he's an interesting story i love those stories you know aj's kind of the the guy who kind of came and and, and, and did it all himself, right? And then you look at the Placencias and, and how they came from Cuba to Nicaragua. They lost everything in Nicaragua, you know? So, it, you know, they lost everything two or three times and had to rebuild their business, you know? And there's so many of those great stories. So, you know, AJ's no, no different. Uh, and so I think that, that that was a huge part of even what made Diesel successful. I remember the article I wrote was the next big thing in cigars. And it was about AJ. And it was amazing what that article did. I mean, like yeah. people... People went nuts. And I remember then I brought, we got AJ a visa to come to the U.S. And we were doing a Man of War event at one of the stores. And it was like, hey, come on in. Whoever shows up, AJ will roll you a cigar. I'll never forget, man. I was like, it was like I was pulling up to like, like I pull up with AJ for the event. And there's already like 
like dozens of people there. I mean, and it was like, and they were all like, like teenage girls at a Justin Bieber concert, you know, it's like, oh, AJ, AJ. Listen, <laughs> when he was wow. at that trade show in 2010, it was a big deal. I was a little giddy too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when, when he came, and he was there at the trade show. And, uh, you know, it, 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 Chris would always call him the kid. Like this kid, you know, and he, and, uh, you know, it was, oh, was yeah. Yeah. Um, God, man, how sad though about him, huh? Man, like, I'm gonna miss that guy. As Chris was very good to Cigar Coop over the years, um, yeah. and uh, I actually spent the week down at AJ in 2012, and this is before he had the big factory. He mm. was all over Esteli, and he's taking yeah, yeah. him and Chris are taking me all over Esteli to like this place, this place, because AJ was scattered all over the place at the time. Uh, and to think how he kind of consolidated all that thing, because I went five years later and I saw the big factory. Uh, and I just, it was, wow, it was just, now everything was under mostly one roof. So, so that was really cool. So Alex, again, I'm looking at the timeline. It, you said you were working with General kind of in that mid 2010 decade. That was also the time where General started doing punches with AJ and Hoyos with AJ. So I'm going to assume your footprint was on some of that too. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, at the time, uh, a lot of the direction was coming from Craig Reynolds and he was a big believer in AJ and very close with, with Chris. And, and he felt like that that was just a different profile, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, general cigar makes great cigar. Like I said, I, I love a lot of their portfolio, but some of these other guys do things a little bit differently and they have just a different profile. It was something I don't think was in the portfolio. So it was, why not give this a try and, and see what happens. And what's really cool is kind of when you, when you do kind of break down that barrier and you let AJ play with some of the stuff that, some of the resources general has general kind of plays with AJ. It's like everybody kind of learns from each other. And that, yeah. that, that kind of collaboration is always what's cool. So yeah, in a lot of ways, that kind of collaboration mindset, I was definitely there for, and now, you know, they've continued to do well, right? I mean, you got the Caldwell collaboration, certainly Warzone with Espinosa. Uh, you see Altidus, you know, right around that time, Altidus was starting to do a lot more of that sure. too. Yep. Uh, and and so I guess it's not all that uncommon. It's almost like in the beer, right? You know, you got a lot of these like really compelling microbrews. I guess the differences in our industry is, you know, the, the small companies aren't getting swallowed up like they are maybe in liquor quite to quite the same extent, but they do collaborate more together a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, I think you guys were doing that like way before a lot of folks were doing that um, today. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's a very interesting looking back at the history of that last decade. It's just, it's, it's going to be a major part of that last decade. Uh, which is good. But eventually you decided it was time to move on. And you talked about, uh, you know, Keith reached back out to you and you joined uh, Brand Shopper. And there's a brand under, I guess, called Cigar Page. So again, you talked a little about Brand Shopper. It, it's something, I guess, very different than what Cigars International was. So talk a little about that uh, for folks who may not know about Brand Shopper and want to know about it. Well, so Brand Shopper is um, is a uh, was started. You know, and I'm, you know, Keith may watch this and kick my ass that I don't know, you know, all the history. But when Keith left uh, after, you know, he sold the business and kind of fulfilled his obligations, you know, um, to transition the business over. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's, he he's not a guy that sits still. So, you know, he started this Brand Shopper concept. He played with a few different things. He and I always hunted together and so and and did stuff outdoor. We'd go to Africa together and like travel. So the idea of getting into the outdoor space, I think for him was 
was interesting. Uh, and then once his non-compete was up, it was like, uh, he just started selling some cigars. It was like, oh, you know, I still know all these people from the cigar industry. I'll oh, bring this in, bring that in. And he started putting cigars up on the hunting website. And, and then all of a sudden, that just started getting its own, you know, friggin' catching on fire. And so then cigarpage.com was officially born. And, and man, I, I mean, it's just been wildfire. I mean, I got to tell you, Coop, I've, I've, you know, been doing this now for 22 years. I've seen other new catalogs come in and come and go and some come and stay. And it is amazing how much they've accomplished in such a short amount of time. I don't think I've ever seen another catalog company do it. And to me, that energy and excitement was part of what ultimately, I think, kind of had me pull the trigger to go over there. Because that pace, there's something just so intoxicating about working in a place that has that, that fast pace. And, um, you know, it just, it was, it was, it was what I wanted. And, and also, it's weird because... You know, the first 20 years of my life was Cigar.com and then kind of the integration into STG. And even the last three years at STG, I was actually managing a lot of like the accounts for people we make cigars for. We make, you know, ST factories make cigars for a lot of big brands out there that people probably don't realize. And I was kind of like doing that. So I wanted to get more on the mail order side again. And, you know, it was hard, man. It was like I said, you look over the fence at the other barbecue, you know, and it's like a piece over there. And like, and then, you know, it's like slowly but surely I kept poking my head over the fence. I was like, oh. You know, now so-and-so's over there. Now, so, you know, and so it's actually like the whole crew that's there is very much a lot of the same guys that were at CI when I sold Cigar.com. So it's like getting the band back together. And that's also, I think, very cool. So it's weird. It's kind of like going into the second half of my career. And, and I'm doing it with all the people that I started my career with. So it's just super cool. And I can't, I don't know, man. I, I just, I haven't been this happy in so long. You, you definitely are beaming with enthusiasm with this. Now, Cigar Page, from what I understand, and I don't know how much you can comment on this, but Fred Vandermarley, who is the owner of Oliva, he has a piece of that, right? Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he has a, an, an, an interest in it, yes. Okay. But it's not like people saying it's, Oli- it's not Oliva is what I want to get at, right? From everything it's, not, seen, it's not Oliva. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, definitely not. Okay. Uh, I think, I think um, Fred met met Keith and those two got hit it off really well. I've known Corey and Fred and those guys for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. They're great people, but yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, we, I, I see Fred around the office once maybe a year or whatever. So it's, it's very chill, you yeah. know, Where, where's it headquartered? Where are the headquarters for uh branch Opera star page? Uh, so Brand Shoppers in Bath, Pennsylvania, and it's actually a building that uh, Keith owns where Cigars International used to run out of and then CI kind of moved out. So it's funny. Like I said, man, the, the building I walked in the first day I had with Cigar Page and Brand Shopper was the same building I walked into when I sold Cigar.com. That's funny. That's just like it's so bizarre, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. it's, but it's so cool. It's like, yeah, we're getting the band back together. This is, this is awesome. And, and I think there's been like a lot of Listen, there's been a lot of enthusiasm among, I think, the suppliers and the Rockies and the, you know, they're, they're excited to see another player in the space. But I think there's also a fair amount of anxiety as well, to be like totally honest. You know, I mean, we, we, uh, we don't have a reputation for selling cigars expensively. And, uh, you know, that, that, that will always be a challenge, uh, you know, but we, we, again, I think it goes back to what I said before, our focus is on just the product and the customer. Right. And, and so price is a big part of that. Yeah. 
I mean, one thing I say it's very important is that, you know, the online business is extremely important to the industry as a whole. And I understand is this whole brick and mortar online piece, but there's a lot of volume sold to online. And frankly, I think it adds a lot of revenue to these companies. So I don't oh, yeah. feel we should be ignoring that piece. You know, when we cover, I know a lot of people just, well, we'll cover B&M. And look, we support the BMs as much as anybody, but I, I recognize personally that the catalog piece is extremely important to keeping everything going that, that goes on in the cigar industry right now. Yeah, you know, I think it's hard. I, I, I haven't got my head wrapped around all the changes that have happened in the industry since the pandemic. I mean, what we imported 450 million cigars last year. I mean, that, that's a huge change in over five years. So I haven't quite figured out how the metrics have changed. But if you'd asked me two years ago, I'd say 60% of all volume in terms of number of cigars were sold actually online, 40% of brick and mortar. And then the dollars were probably flipped. I'd say 60% of the revenue was going out of traditional brick and mortar and 40% of the revenue was going out of uh, catalog. And then, you know, then if you look at the catalog space, it's like the 80-20 rule, right? I mean, you got like CIJR, Famous, and then, you know, tons of little guys, right? So, and, and that's what I'm doing now with Keith. I mean, I'm just street fighting to get up into that tier and we're making great headway. And it, but again, you would ask like, how is it different than, than CI? And I kind of was like yep. sitting there thinking about it and I'm not, I'm not, I guess certainly some some of the feel and some of the messaging is is different, but the the program and the focus of customer product, customer product, customer product that that is the same. So, um, I, and we're seeing great results. So, right. What are some unique things that Cigar Page are doing that you know? I know they they have very aggressive pricing, and that, but what are some <laughs> other things that folks can get from Cigar Page? You know that you know people should check out. Well, um, we are still growing and it's almost hard to keep up with, but I mean, it is free shipping on every order, no matter what you could come by one five pack. We'll ship it to you for free. I think that's very cool. I think it's very uh, cool too. It's very ballsy. Uh, it's a big move. Like I remember when I walked in and I looked at it, I was like, God damn, man, these guys are, these guys are leaving it all out on the field. <laughs> There's no question. But I think what, what, what the unique stuff that you're going to see, obviously the prices, the promotions, the feel, man, it's got great. I mean, I love reading the copy on our emails. It's funny. I mean, I hope customers think it's as entertaining as I do. But we are doing a really good dive, I think, on delivery of information and content uh, with a good social media push. And I think it's not so much what we're doing right now. It's I think we've 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 kind of been accumulating this critical mass of customers, and now it's going to be like what I think it's what's to come that's the most exciting part. Like right now, I'm working on. Uh, yeah, I'm taking a lot of the same approach I did like back in the day when we started CI and I have gone down now and spent since I started with, with cigar page in October, I've been down to the factory maybe three or four times. I still keep a house down in Esteli. And so I'm down there and, and what I've decided, I mean, look, I went to the Nestors and the AJs and those guys and, and said, Hey, like doing it again, you know, we're doing it again. We're, we're bands back together. We're, we're going to go take this industry, you know, storm the castle. And those guys are pretty pumped, but, but they didn't kind of have, you know, they're they're now at a different place in their in their in their lifespan. You know, their Nestor has his own brand, and AG's got his own brand, and and so what I kind of realized after my first trip was that I kind of need to like rethink this. So I went and started knocking on doors because when I was the buyer for CI, which was one of my favorite jobs ever, I mean that was just so cool. But when I was the buyer for CI, 
I would get emails all the time of guys going, Hey, like I, I've got this little factory. It's an Estelle. I, I got your email from this guy or that guy. And like, we would love it if he would come check us out. And a lot of times there weren't a lot of great opportunities just because these people weren't scaled to work with. But I always made a habit whenever I would go on a buying trip to always go visit one of those guys, you know, and those were my favorite meetings because I remember I brought Craig down to his first visit and he said, well, where are we going? I said, well, every trip I go, these, you know, if you're not visiting those guys when they're that small, you're going to miss an opportunity. Right. I mean, maybe 99 out of a hundred, you know, there's not really anything there, but there's one out of a hundred. That's like the AJ thing where you're like, Holy shit, there's something here. And so, um, yeah, one, one of the guys I, I met named Jose, he owns this factory called Garmendia Cigar. My first meeting with him, his wife was rolling the cigars in their living room and we were meeting on a sofa. And now I'm doing a lot of stuff with him. He's making stuff for, uh, he's making stuff for a lot of people. Uh, Espendoza, La Polina, like, and he's like getting his own thing going. So it's cool to like see that. So what I learned, sorry, I'm wandering off on like a lot of different tangents, but what I learned kind of after that first trip when I had the, the brand shopper hat on and the cigarpage.com hat on was, okay, what I did before isn't necessarily going to work. So I went back and remembered all these guys I talked to and I've gone back and talked to them. And so it's, it's now it's like, who's the next AJ, right? Like, so now I'm going to meet with these little factories right. and, and I'm trying to kind of like build it in, in the same manner. So there's a lot of really interesting people that are doing interesting things in Nicaragua, in Honduras, that a lot of people haven't heard of that I think they're going to start learning about. And to me, that that is what I'm most excited about. And I think that's what I want people to kind of like see with Cigar Page. We're doing cool stuff now and you can get great, great stuff, but you're going to be seeing, I'm going to be helping kind of introduce our customers and, and hopefully a lot of consumers to some new people they haven't heard of that are, are going to be the next household names. I hope, I mean, that, that's my hope for these, for these people. That's exciting to hear. Uh, it is, man. I'm working on this other project right now with the agronomy uh, team at, uh, at Oliva, actually. So it's something I've been working on. It's something I've been working on, but I've had it in my mind for a couple of years. And now that I'm over with uh, Cigar Page and obviously been friends with the Oliva family forever, I, was, I had the time to do it. And um, it's, it's kind of this agronomy theory about if flavor comes from the sh- is based on the sugar content of tobacco and you can figure out where the highest sugar levels are, hence the most kind of flavor. And you kind of know how to time the year when like nicotine is going to also be in that same zone with the sugar. Like, does it create this kind of super leaf, right? I call it like this, the super leaf. And I always had this idea. And so like, that was the first thing I did. First thing I picked up the phone, called Levis, said, I want to do this. And they were like, yes, let's do it. I explained the idea. They're like, science makes sense. We're about to start picking our last pick so we can go in and figure this out. And that cigar is going to be called Free Will. Um, it's being made by Oliva. It's coming out in July. And to me, that's going to be the cool. That's the one I can't wait to write the article about, to do the video. I'm going down next week and we're doing a video where we're actually going to be, because this is right, this time of year is when that one leaf is going to appear. It's 1% of the filler harvest. And this is the time of year that one leaf gets picked. So I'm like stoked. I'm going to do the video and write the article. And I think, I think that this idea is like revolutionary. It just sucks because it's only going to, there's only 1% of the filler that, that kind of falls into this. So right. it's going to be a limited number of projects, but it's very cool. That's great. That's great to hear. The, uh, I like the name too, Free Will, by the way. It's, uh, 
it is, I get the uh, I endorse the name, <laughs> which, is, which is good. Uh, I love that name. The uh, but is there anything right now that's like maybe if folks are checking out Cigar Page right now, some cool stuff that you have going on there right now, you know, that maybe folks should check out now that you have some. I mean, I'm sure there's some things you have out there that maybe. Oh yeah, for sure. I did the, the bundles are awesome. So I mean, if you're a value guy, the John bundles, J A W N. Uh, bundles and the, some of the black watch bundles that are coming out of Nicaragua. I can't tell you what factory they're coming out of, but uh, wow, that, they kick some serious, serious ass. I mean, if you knew, if you even knew what those cigars were and what they sold for in retail, your head might explode. <laughs> so, so that one's very cool. And, and I mean, look, the, and the stuff's always changing because what we buy is very opportunistic. So when I go down to the factory, like what I'm doing this year, like, so May I'm down there looking at, at the last pick of the harvest, figure out who's going to have the better tobacco for the next year. Right. And when I'm going down, usually every other trip, I'll go and, and, and some of our best selling SKUs, even national brand stuff like Rocky stuff or whatever, I'll actually pick our boxes at the factory, almost like picking a, a cask. And I've got my own little secret to the science. I don't buy, you know, and so I'll go buy my, my Rocky Patel vintage Robustos at the factory. I mean, maybe they're not in the boxes yet, but I pick them out of the aging yeah. room. I don't buy cigars. I mean, when I can, I mean, ultimately you're going to wind up having to buy some stuff, up, you know, hand them out. But this is where the planning, like, so cigar page, I think the biggest difference is, is that we really get our like dirt under our fingernails. Like mm -hmm. we're not just sitting up in Pennsylvania. We're at the factory, literally picking the cigars we're going to sell. And I've got like certain parameters. I don't like to buy cigars that were rolled on Mondays or Fridays. You know, I've got weird quirks, but it actually, there's, there's a lot of reasoning to it. You know, I'll, I'll never forget, I walked into Drew Estate and it had this like board up and it showed the rejection rates for the whole week and the whole month. And every Monday, there were just, just tremendous numbers of rejections. And I was like, huh, you know, well, fuck it. I'm not buying cigars made on Monday, you know, and then, then that became a thing. So I uh, did, I've already, I've, wa I've wandered. I'm sorry, man. Oh, no, you're I, great. I, you're I, great. I, I wandered, I wandered away. So another thing, so. A lot of what's coming in is kind of opportunistic stuff. So there's another thing that's up right now, um, and it's called 2012 Series. And there's some Raleigh long fillers, ROLY long fillers. Those are right now in some certain packs you can buy. Those are Nicaraguan long fill, Habano, Connecticut, Maduro. You can get them right now if you buy the pack right for $1.43 a cigar. And... I, I've gotten a million emails from like other suppliers, like how the hell are you getting this stuff? And that was a great buy. I even have the buy on video. I haven't posted it yet, but I, I got a call when I was like driving down the road in, in Esteli when I was there and the guy's like, Hey dude, I got a 200,000 cigars that a customer just totally bailed on and, and disappeared. And like, I, I need to get these gone. I need to move them. And so I drove over there and smoked them. and was like, this is, this is fucking incredible. You know, but you keep my poker face on them. Like, yeah, hey, you know, yeah, they're, they're okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, in incredible, incredible. I, I use that as a relative term for, for what we were able to buy the lot for, right? So, I mean, and I got a great deal on the lot. I had to, if I'm selling it to the end consumer right now for $1.43 a stick, but it's long term. So that's the kind of stuff that I think customers are, are going to build their faith on. It's like, hey, like these guys are down at the factory looking for these opportunities. They're not buying crap. They're, they're yeah. yeah, we're getting great deals, but they're actually there smoking this stuff. Like we're not... We don't buy things sight unseen. We don't. We don't even have people ship us samples. Like we go there, uh, Jamie. I don't know if you ever met Jaime Rodriguez. He's my partner, uh, but he lives in Nicaragua full time. He's a full time employee over at Cigar Page. 
Like we, we, I think we are the only company to have a full-time guy in Nicaragua and, and in Central America. And, and he's over there, man. I mean, he, he'll, he's always, he's like bird dog and all these great cigars. And when I come down, he's like, Hey, let's smoke this. I'm going to take you over here. So we're just so hands-on, man. And I think customers appreciate that. I don't want them to feel like they're going to buy. I just don't want them to have this kind of, Oh, that's a house brand or, Oh, that's a, that's a private label. Like the stuff we're buying is really cool. Yeah. And you know, I love hearing the story, you know, there's a lot of this going on. We hear of, we hear of other brands doing this and there's a lot of gimmicky marketing behind it, but you guys, you don't seem like you're doing that gimmicky marketing behind it from what I've seen on the site. It, it seems like it's stuff that I don't know, maybe an old school guy like me can relate to. Uh, and the nice thing is that is the stuff is going to be available to me more continuously on a lot of these things, which is what I like as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what I want to do is just make sure we're telling these stories, right? That customers are hearing about yeah. that story of when we bought these and now here, here they are, they're $1.43, give it a shot. I mean, they're, they're not going to be around forever as an opportunistic buy. Uh, but you're right. I think the messaging is important too. I mean, some people have kind of have a, have a, a tendency to, you know, I don't know. It, again, folks on a customer, right? And if you go into a cigar shop, you know, your, your customer can be anything from a doctor to, you know, uh, a tradesman to, you know, a janitor. I don't know. I mean, it's like every walk of life, right? Um, and, and so I think that that's like where kind of that messaging is. So it makes me happy to hear that you feel like we're doing a good job speaking to you because yeah. that, that's something we spend a lot of time and effort on. And I've seen a lot of catalog companies, not just in the cigar space, lose market share and lose customers because customers just feel like they're not being spoken to, you know, yeah. in the, in the right voice or the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely would encourage folks to get on the email. It's like I said, this, the emails are really good that you, the content that you have out there. So I kind of feel that's not been lost at all with your move there for sure. Um, which is, which is great. Now you're using more video as well. Is, do you, where, where are the videos housed? Uh, like people want to check out the videos. Um, you can link to our, our YouTube channel, yep. uh, but we have a, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, don't worry. We don't have any primetime shows or live or anything. We're not, we don't want, we're not trying to compete with the likes of Cigar Coop. No, I, I don't, I don't, take, <laughs> I don't take it as all that's of a, that. That's a high bar. <laughs> no, no, no. The high bar was set with you. <laughs> no, no, no. We do like a lot of unboxing videos. Mm -hmm. uh, like, especially if we see some packaging that's really cool, we'll do like an unboxing on like the yeah. CAO Arcania that just came out. And, and then we do a lot of beer and cigar pairings. We got a guy that's like, a lot of guys in the office big in a micro brew. So we do a lot of like beer and cigar pairings. I've been doing a lot of the kind of like one-on-one stuff. I just posted a video a couple of weeks ago on like as a buyer and as the guy who's the buyer for CI, like how I approach a cigar. I was smoking some samples and I thought, Oh, fuck, this would be a cool video. So I talked about like, okay, as a buyer, when I'm evaluating a cigar, where it's not necessarily about what I like, and I just need to be very objective, like, this is my approach. And, and a lot of my method I actually got from, from working with Rocky and Christian Aroa and Hanky Kellner and Davidoff and his whole program and how he tastes. Awesome, you know, and I kind of have created my own system that I think works for me, but I put it on video and, 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 and it's been good feedback. So yeah, that's kind of like where I'm focusing on. It's just, you know, a little bit more about like what's going on in my head. I was smoking an Avo number three the other day and, and that's a Desflorado, right? And, and, yeah. and I thought, Hey, somebody was asking me the other day about what a Desflorado is. And I had a Davidoff special R there too. So, you know, we were throwing together a video on that, you know, and then uh, there's going to be another one of the trip that I took in December when I bought that lot that, that's for sale right now. 
And I was having lunch with Luciano and I just threw the camera on Luciano from Pachardo. I think it was what your, were your factory of the year, right? Or small factory. Very of good. The year. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, man. And so like I was hanging out with Luciano, we were having lunch. And I said, Hey man, can I just throw the camera on? He's like, yeah. You know? So, and I think that that's what people want to see. Like the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the fun conversations, you know, that's just what it's all about. It's the personalness of this product and, and the industry. Yeah. And, and shameless plug, uh, Luciano will be on the show in three weeks. So, uh, oh, nice. He'll be nice. back on the show in three weeks. Yeah. So, uh, so definitely stay tuned. They'll be on the uh, 26th, I believe. Yeah. Dude, that guy is wild. You, you, you had him on before? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, you know, at the trade show, we have this media compound. He came out to the house one night and he kind of did a clinic for us, literally. Yeah. I mean, when I say clinic, he literally did a tobacco clinic for us at the house with some of the media guys. It was great. Yeah, he and a part of Charter Grade, and, and has he told you kind of like about his his situation, like his, I don't want to call it like an illness. It's like he has a condition where he yeah. experiences flavor as colors. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, like, bro, yeah. I was like blown <laughs> away. Yeah. He's yeah. explaining this to me, and I was like, that's wild. And then, you know, every cigar he has, he's got this crazy story about, like there's so much thought and purpose behind everything he makes. I just, why I, can talk, I can talk to that guy forever. Yeah. yeah. Which is why him and Huber, I think work really well together. John Huber, yeah. who, who has yeah. a similar vision with that. And I can see where they both get these types of things and how the synergy is with them. For sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. And Huber and, and those crown heads guys make great stuff, but that Pichardo factory, I mean, I, I, I remember my, my buddy Jaime who lives down there. He's friends with uh, Luciano. They're both Masons or whatever. And, um, and yeah, he brought me in there and I was kind of like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And then I smoked dude. I've been smoking that Fiat Lux. Like, like a madman. I love that cigar. And it's just, there's something really unique to it. I can't, I still haven't been able to put my finger on it. What makes there's like a certain flavor that Fiat Lux that I haven't wrapped my head around, but man, that is a great cigar. I, I, I personally like that cigar, and I thought it was one of the better cigars uh, I've had uh, over the past year. Um, you know, we've, I just thought it was – personally, that one I liked a lot. Yep. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of those sizes that, that – that, I think it was that Corona Gorda size was the one that really kind of connected with me personally. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's the one I'm doing. I've been smoking that Corona – like I said, the 46s and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I've got a box of those Corona Gordas, and I just tear through them. Yeah, and, I, and it's I, one of those cigars too. You could smoke it and then just smoke another one, like fifteen minutes later. You know, you you never get tired of it. Yeah, no, exactly with that. You know, one last question on the online piece. Uh, yeah, and we'll close out the segment. So, on the other hand, I could look at, at what's going on in uh, legislation. Any fear in terms of the future of online right now? I mean, you got you guys are making a big investment in this. And online is something that could be very much targeted by the uh, by the uh, government here. So, what, what yeah, kind I of think youth, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, youth access is is the is always the you know thing. I think that that and listen, nobody nobody supports having youth access to yeah. tobacco products. And um, I I think, but a lot's been done that people don't realize, right? I mean, when you look at online. Uh, I mean, if you're doing a certain amount of money, you need to be doing age verification. These are government databases. I mean, the same stuff they do to, to validate people's identity during like credit checks and stuff. So um, I, the age verification is actually extremely effective. Uh, I think that obviously there's some barriers in the price point. You know, I still maintain that kids are not smoking premium 
damn it, cigars. They, I mean, they I, are, I just, and they aren't. I have three boys under 26, so yeah. I can tell you that they're not. Maybe that was the case at one point in time. And even then, I wouldn't say it was, like, rampant, right? And growing up, all, like, people were just smoking a lot of weed, you know? Like, that was the that was the thing, you know? So, like, I, I just, I don't see it. But I think it's important, man. I, I think this, the responsibility component of this is important. And and preventing youth access is important. And age verification is, is something that the bigger catalog companies do. And, and, frankly, I think everybody's implementing it. And I think that that's an important piece. And I think doing those things, I think, sends a really positive message to the government that like, look, we, we, there's a lot of self-policing that goes on that I think that the government and a lot of these groups don't realize. There's a ton of self-policing, um, you know, that goes on. But yeah, I mean, do I worry about it? Sure. You know, I th- I'm a big believer that like, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I remember when S-SHIP came up and the federal excise tax went from a nickel to 41 cents. It was doom and gloom. The industry's over. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's when I was coming in. Yep. Oh, man, you know, and you read these articles and it almost felt like kind of like you, you couldn't even tell, like, OK, are, we, are people just exaggerating because it's some ploy to fight the tax or is this really going to be a death blow? And, and, and you know, and, and these are all very serious issues. I don't mean to downplay that, uh, but I, I think that when the FDA announced and I think the way the FDA announced it back in 2016 and when, when that became a reality, it did very much feel like it's over because we couldn't make a new product. You could make a new cigar. There was, you know, it didn't feel like there was a way forward. But now you look back on it and, and okay, uh, could there be a way forward? Maybe, you know, it, I, I'm hoping we beat this thing. It's definitely going to make the, the product, I think it, it's, it's not good for the consumers, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do worry about it. I'm, I am, however, I guess my point is optimistically hopeful that no matter what happens, be it today, five years from now, 10 years from now, that kind of the industry is going to be kind of the water and not the rock, right? We're going to, you know, just try to find ways forward to get products for the, for the customers. You mentioned age verification, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people may not understand what you were talking about there because some people will just say, hey, you know, you'll click on a website and it says, are you over 21? You check the box, right? Or maybe put your birthday in. But this is a much more sophisticated age verification system that you're talking about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I'm not totally up on it because it's just stuff that goes on in the background. But right. I've sat through the the company presentations and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it can, you know, with hundred percent accuracy, verify the age of the person making and completing the purchase. Obviously there's the billing and the shipping and uh, address stuff. And um, the, um, but, but when it doesn't verify, you know, then we got to get a copy of a driver's license. To pay um, I, went through, ass, I went through that with another website. That's how I know. I was going to say that it was huge pain in the ass, man, but it, it you know, was, but I understood it. I go, okay, it, it was literally they were trying to do, uh, you know, I understand what, you know, it was it was inconvenient, but I, I kind of understood it. Yeah. You know? So so in a way, like I said, it is more, you know, it is good that you guys are putting a lot of that in. I think sometimes that doesn't get talked about a lot. And I think there's still some smaller online sites that don't do age verification. And, uh, you know, they, they're a little bit exposed that way. The thing that the thing that really concerns me and bothers me is is with all this stuff. I'm I'm big. Time, I'm not a, a fan of big government and regulations. I mean, now I'm making a cigar called Free Will. You know, I mean, like yeah. I'm very much I'm very much not a fan of regulations. But right, I, you know, I, I just worry about what it means for like you know this is very much mom pop business. You know, Rocky talks a lot about. It. I think Rocky's probably done the best job of advocating for the industry 
um, and really being at the, at the forefront, but he's right on everything he said, the mom and pop industry. And, and then, I mean, you've been to the factories, you know, yeah. you, you know, it's handmade product. I mean, thousands of people, this is their livelihood. And then you talk about how you want to like fight the war on drugs. What do you think? What do you think these farmers in Nicaragua are going to start planting if they can't plant tobacco? Right. Know. You know, you think you have a drug problem on the border now, like, Whoa. It's just wild. There's so many unintended consequences to this stuff. And, and I don't see any benefit to it. I mean, the cigars are just such an artisan, you know, kind of thing. And people know, listen, uh, cigars are not healthy, right? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's no, no you know, potential adverse health, health side effects. It's not, not in the business of doing that. But I think that like, look, we're, we're all grown ups. You know, there's a lot of things that, that are not good for us that, that we do. And moderation is important. And, you know, so it just drives me nuts, man. It's just, you know, it's like you can't live your life and make your own decisions anymore. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that, which is good. Well, not good, I should say. Well, Aaron's out there in the Aaron's out there in the People's Republic of California. So that's true. Yeah, you know. I'm I'm a, I'm my small little tribe trying to fight the good fight, but it's tough. <laughs> I, I never I never was to a worse city to smoke in than San Francisco. The San Francisco proper. It was was horrible. Yes. L.A. was better. L.A. was better. But um, San Francisco was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and, and that's, you know, the irony of all these things is always what what I think surprises me the most. It's like you've got people shooting up heroin in the street, you know, and it's like, right. Oh, what are you doing there? You don't like that? You don't like that cigar? Are you crazy? I had the same experience in Amsterdam. I was over at one of the ST factories in, in, in Holland, the Netherlands, and, and there was a huge snowstorm in Chicago, so I got stuck in Amsterdam for a few extra days, which was a total blast. Uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of those stories, but one, <laughs> one, one of them, I went into like kind of a C store, not like a 7-Eleven, but like, you know, it's like kind of, and it was in the, kind of the town center of Amsterdam or whatever. I remember I'm standing at the register and I'd run out of cigars and I was like, Oh, do you guys have cigars? It's like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, where they're like, well, they're behind the counter. Like, I mean, you know, they can't tell you what variants they carry. They're all weird laws. Right. And it was wild to me because I'm standing there talking to the guy. You'd think I was making it like a, like a, like a, like a drug dealer, an arms deal or something. And I'm looking while I'm trying to figure out what cigar to buy because of all these weird regulations about how you buy tobacco there. And right here on my right-hand side are bags of hallucinogenic mushrooms. Yeah. You could just, you know, like, oh, dude, cool. Like, this is where it's all going, man. It terrifies the shit out of me. Uh, I, I was just up in New York two weeks ago, and it was we were up to two days after they legalized marijuana. <laughs> uh, so it was like, you know, and everyone was going crazy into all the, uh, into all the uh, stores that were, were starting to yeah. carry it. Yeah, including one of my sons. But, uh, <laughs> well, like, that, you know, the, <laughs> that industry is creating a huge problem for the premium cigars because the the, the machine made stuff's definitely like ticking up. I think, yeah. and there, there's kind of that alternative use market. But you know, those guys always bought the cheap tobacco, right? But yeah. they're running. We're running out of cheap tobacco, yeah. and so now they're buying the good tobacco, and it's like, I mean, God, the cost of fillers gone from like six fifty a pound up to like nine dollars a pound. Just in the last 24 months. It's unbelievable. It's just getting crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It is. Um, and it's uh, and that stuff's getting marked up. I can tell you, too, that 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 stuff. Uh, and you want to talk about marketing the kids. That's a whole other angle. They have their own. They're going to have their they're going to have problems with that very soon. So, yeah, they got their own thing going, man. Yeah. Yeah, if you, yeah. All right. Aaron, do you have any questions 
for Alex before we kind of move into some of the fun pieces? No, well, not you that this wasn't covered fun, a, this was great. Yeah, I mean, you covered a good range. So, yeah, that was a lot of good information there. Alex, this is awesome, man. Um, That's been fun. This is kind of the, so from the mail order side, I guess. I know I've seen you've had some other mail order people on. I saw the episodes, but these episodes are always cool where it's like how the sausage is made, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like I said, just learning your story and, and it's, it's, a, it's an incredible story and I'm so glad that you're going to be a part of this like second half of your career, as you call it. Um, I'm very excited to follow the journey with this as well. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on too and, and uh, to the customers if they can support me over at www.cigarpage.com I would appreciate it. I need to make a go of this. My my wife needs to buy milk at the store and inflation's crazy so exactly. Exactly. help me out. Help yeah. me out. Yeah, no, it's all good. All good. Definitely help them out. Uh, get on their email, email list too. I, I advise. Alright, Alex, this is our Cattle Baron State question of the night. Now, last week, we've been doing this question for years, and last week I hit a vegan for the first time, officially. Yeah. So I'm hoping you're not going to be two weeks in a row. Are you a vegan, yes or no? Because I can flip uh, the dude, the, the, the shit vegans eat is the shit my food eats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your favorite steakhouse to go to? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I'm in Chicago, which is easily the 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 steak capital, and I love food. So this is a great question. Yep. Um, and then I and you know what? It kind of like moves around a little bit. I say if I had to pick a chain, it'd either be between Mastros and Gibbs and uh, uh, Morton's. Really love Morton's. Morton's. I love the consistency of Morton's. You know, you go to like a Fleming's. I travel a lot, and I find like Fleming's in different states always kind of have a little bit of a different feel right but what i love about morton's like no matter what city i'm in i feel like i really get a consistent quality of beef and, and experience and then when i had to pick a boutique there's this steakhouse i haven't been there in a little while i just ate at bavette's here in chicago which is great they have a location in vegas highly recommend that but the place called chicago chop house which yep. is an institution yep. here yeah yep. absolutely I and ever been. since and ever since they went under new management i don't know if you've been in a while but you know, we used to go there. That's where my office is right down the street. But uh, when we were starting cigar.com downtown, but uh, last time I went there, cause they're kind of under some, some new management, maybe as of 10 years ago. So this isn't recent, but I remember when I walked in and the prices went up, but wow, the food was crazy. And what was awesome is you can eat any kind of meat bone in or bone out and you could get it, uh, you know, friggin dry age wet yep. age wagyu it's like a build your own friggin premium stuff. i've just never seen anybody do it because they're butchering the meat in the steakhouse it's just yeah. awesome yeah that's an awesome one all right alex i got a few more rapid fire questions i just got to do a sponsor a short sponsor break and this will be a shorter segment uh before we wrap up so if you sure. give me another minute if you need to stretch that would be great all right and I want to mention Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and now outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience, and they're celebrating their six-year anniversary this weekend. Uh, I want to mention Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars in Cuba, it was a leaf of choice that makes some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seed. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. 
With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm is going to be able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Carojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Huso have brought their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Carojo leaf. Aldino is available with 100% authentic Carojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Honduran-grown Cameroon, or Habano wrapper, representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that's tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That is why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers like Avo, CLE, Drew Estate, Perdomo, Gurkha, and many more. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar Company was voted a top five cigar internet retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best star cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at coronacigarcompany.com or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida super stores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf again. Uh, on this month's on Cigar Coop, we are running the Aganorsa Experience. And uh, there's a video if you click on the sidebar, but there's also an article that talks about the new Valedicion series, which is the rebranded Coraline Edition. Um, and they'll be making their way to market over the next few months. So you want to look out for that. And finally, we'll get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. You ever put down hard-earned cash for a cigar? You're hoping you just bought yourself a nice drive to Taste Town, only to discover you're in the slow lane with a clunker? That sucks. Say goodbye to bad rides. Test ride with an Alec Bradley cigar. At Alec Bradley, they get it. Whether we're talking about life or cigars, it's all about the ride. Learn more at alecbradley.com. So this is our Live True segment, and these are just some rapid-fire um, questions. I'll have one question that was submitted that wasn't ours um, because uh, the other one we're going to take out. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so sorry, sorry for that one, but uh, all right. So Alex, we'll start off first. These are some like ones that I've put in here. Uh, your favorite television show, like of all time, or like what's on right now? These are ones fine. Well, you, can dude, I always loved, dude. Twenty four was like crack, and all you know, and the Sopranos. You know, I love those. Big shout. Right, out. You got it. You're gonna. All right, you love the Sopranos. I'm gonna keep you on a little longer if you're okay with that, because we do a yeah, Sopranos yeah. segment after that. Oh, shit. All right. Well, no, I'm down with that. And then, I mean, dude, but current television, no question. Absolutely no question. Yellowstone. I've been I mean, watching it for the, I, the I've first been episode. It. It's unreal. Corey got me turned on to that show when we had him on. So I've been into it. Love it. Yeah. All right. A pet, uh, excuse me, a movie that you can watch over and over again. Oh, man. I love movies, too. Old school. Yes. Blue. <laughs> that is Frank the Tank. Yeah. Frank the Tank, one. man. Yeah, it's never, it never gets old, man. In fact, oh. I wish I had the picture. I remade, remember Will Ferrell's uh, portrait when they're doing the toast behind at the wedding? Right. Yeah. Actually, I have my own version of that that my, uh, uh, <laughs> that, that my designers did. I'll send you a copy, man. It's great. Yeah, I use good. it as my avatar for everything. Yeah. All right. No, that's a good one. So a pet that you would like to have or may have that is not a dog or cat. Ooh, man. 
You know, I, growing up and for a lot of my, my wife has had rabbits forever and uh, she got me into rabbits. I like rabbits. They're just, they're cool. They're social. Uh, we don't have any right now, but we've had them off and on. So love rabbits. Rabbits come, come up a lot with that question. That's a good one. Yeah. Rabbits come up a good with that one. So Coop, you have to ask the user submitted question now after that question. The, the, the other one. Yes. Okay. Because I didn't understand it at all. So you obviously okay. you, you understand it better. Yes. So we, we were asked, do you still have the ocelot? Yeah. No. <laughs> so I, I've had two. The first one was named Mojito. And the second one was named Simba. And uh, unfortunately, Simba passed away uh, last year. But yeah, it's a dwarf leopard. And they're just badass. And, I wasn't thinking uh, pet with ocelot for some reason. Okay. Yeah. They, well, it was, I mean... I have like a big enclosure. So you're in Nicaragua, right? I mean, Nicaragua is like, you yeah. drive down, go in the wrong, wrong yeah. drive the wrong way in a one way with a beer in your hand. And like, you know, like, it's like, the you want to talk about, you know, get yourself in and out of as much trouble as you want. I, Nicaragua was crazy, man. But yeah. So like I, I, when I, when I got this new house, I was like, you know what, build like a big animal enclosure. Like, what are you going to put in here? I'm like, I don't know, man, but you know, it feels like some serious Pablo Escobar shit. And so, and then I ended up buying this cat. Yeah, and I got like the, you know, the, the, the tree. So it really wasn't a pet. I mean, it, the thing let me pet it for like the first day or two. And then after that, man, it was like you put your hand in there and like, I mean, it wouldn't mess with me. I'd go in there and clean it and, and, and put food in there and stuff. But like, yeah, man, I mean, after like the first week, if I went up trying to touch the thing, it would it'd be like claw your fucking eyes out. Man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I was down in Nicaragua though, right? Yeah, it's Nicaragua. Yeah. So it was a rescue. Like um, the first one was a rescue. Like these people buy this shit and then they don't know how to take care of it. They don't have the, they don't, they don't have the money to pay for the food. And they would eat a pound or two pounds of chicken a day. I, you know, it, was just, it was a badass. You could put a bird in there and it would just sit there and fly across the cage and just grab it midair, man. I mean, that's badass, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss those guys, but I'm not doing it. I'm not getting another one. So no, I do I do no longer have it, and and I've decided that that is just a lot to manage. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't think there'll be another one, at least okay. for now. Understood. Yeah. Understood on that one. All right, a pizza, a topping on pizza you like besides cheese? Pepperoni. Everyone answers pepperoni on that one. Yeah. You know what I'm getting into those? Uh, like, well, it's a Chicago thing, but I mean, it is kind of why, but. More and more places are offering hardener peppers or jardinera. Everybody pronounces oh, that shit differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is that is I, on fire on pizza, man. I, Love I, it. I look at those peppers and they make my mouth like water. I mean, I could just look at them and smell them, and it's like all of a sudden I taste it without even putting it in my mouth. It's right. like, it's amazing what that does to your palate. All right, your favorite month of the year and your least favorite month of the year. Oh man, you know. Uh, July is probably my favorite, my birthday month, but also dude, it's just, that, that's always a month where I like try not to travel. I mean, it's kind of hard to do with the trade show, but like, there's nothing like coming back from the trade show. It's like right in the middle of summer. I mean, you live in Chicago. That's just the shit you live for. July is what you live for in this town, you know? And then, uh, least favorite. I mean, without a doubt, uh, <laughs> January, January. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> It's just dark all the time. It's fucking cold here in Chicago. Like, you know, the holidays are over. You know, it's, uh, fuck. You got to start working on your taxes. There's so much depressing shit that goes on in January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Your favorite type of sandwich? Oh, man. Like, like 
type of sandwich or sandwich, uh, you know, store maker. Type of sandwich. Type, type of sandwich. Type of sandwich. Type of sandwich, man. I'm a roast beef guy, through and through. Right. But I like to break it up with a good Italian. Yep. yep. Oh, Italian roast beef, there's nothing like it in Chicago, I can tell you that. Nothing like it. Was Justin's answer pulled pork? Probably. Uh, we didn't ask this of Justin. Yeah, uh, we we could we could have cared less. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We thought it was a uh, Sunday gravy on a, on a yeah, bread. exactly. <laughs> oh no, gabagool! It's sauce. He would have said sloppy joes or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you go. Justin got that one wrong too. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you had a reality TV show, what would the name of it be called? Oh man. Yeah, the box office because I, I would want to do it like as a owner operator of a strip club. I've always wanted to make a strip club called the box office. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Man. I like I know. That. So, so I would love to do a reality show of like, and I think people get into that. Doesn't that feel like? It always feels like. Listen, I don't go into a bunch of strip clubs, but it does feels like that's a whole different subculture. You know, I think that'd be fascinating. <laughs> I don't know if there has been one or not. That's a good question. There may be. I was trying to get my, what we were going to do, we were trying to do one for my wife. My wife's a psychologist and her and her friend are two really cute girls and they do this YouTube thing. I mean, I, I did very well. I, I don't know how I landed my wife, but she's hot. She's smart. She's got all that stuff. So they were doing this thing called hot docs, which I thought would have been really cool. Kind of like a love line, but with two hot chicks answering your, your, your questions on stuff. So. Oh, wow. that, 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 that might have been my other that, that might have been the other one I would have wanted to do and just kind of kind of just hang in the background. I always loved that like yeah. love line when they were doing yeah. that through stuff. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. So, Alex, um, normally this is where I'd say we, we kind of close out with you. But I, we do. We, Aaron and I do a soprano segment almost every week. And we did have one. And I'd like to if, if you're OK with it, I'd like to keep you on yeah. the segment. Hell and, yeah. Yeah, and, and what we're doing this week on our Soprano segment, and this is like Aaron and I, it's one of our favorite shows. We, 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 there's constant things to talk about. Is we've been going through on a few shows some trivia facts from the Sopranos uh, from IMDb. And basically, I'll read it, this out. And if you have any commentary on this trivia fact, just roll it out. There's nothing structured here. All right. So this one was an interesting one. There's an actor by the name of Michael Rispoli. And he auditioned for the role of Tony, but he didn't get that role. Uh, and so series creator David Chase created a special role for him called Jackie April, and Jackie April Sr. actually. And uh, he was originally, that character was supposed to be an older character, but they made him much younger to bring Michael into the show. Jackie April was one of my favorite characters, actually. I, I, they killed him off too soon. Yeah, he was good. Um, I I still like him best, I think, in uh, Rounders, because uh, he was like the the low level like uh, um, loan shark guy, and then he ended up working with the, the Russian guy. But uh, yeah, he. But I mean, you always kind of saw him as like uh, the nice kind of low key guy because he pretty much had cancer <laughs> for yeah. all the time he was in the show. Yeah. Now it was kind of it was kind of depressing, man. And, and yeah, that's weird. You know, I, I have a hard time even wrapping my head around that piece of trivia because for me it's like there was no one else who was born to play that role than Gandolfini you know right. what I mean exactly like... he did an interview I heard him do an interview and he even said look Gandolfini just killed it <laughs> like like yeah. he, he gave his now 
Rispoli played a role in Summer of Sam that was really a good role. He played uh, one of these guys who was, who was like very upset about the son of Sam and he was hell bent on trying to track down who it was. And mm. Anyone in the neighborhood was a suspect to him. He, he was really good in Summer of Sam. All right. Here's your next one. Michael Imperioli, who's Christopher, is the only major cast member whose credits also include writing or co-writing for the series, having worked on five episodes. Um, but there was also a character by the name of Angie Bompasero, played by Tony Kalem, who wrote one script and store, uh, served as the story editor on five episodes. I kind of wondered if that's why they put the whole Christopher, the movie writer, the script, you know, the script writer, and maybe because yeah. of that, that background. Which I always thought was an interesting whole subplot in that whole thing. Yeah, because I think he's done some stuff uh, since then as well. I think he did he did this like pilot thing for Amazon that I, did, I don't think it went well, but uh, you know he's worked on some other projects yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, he's done a well. He's also done a lot. I mean, I know he does like an acting school and he does a lot more like stage acting and yeah. stuff. But you know, I think of all the guys, all the cast members, because there were a lot of like kind of new faces that you saw on The Sopranos. That guy was the one that I was most surprised you didn't see in more like kind of typecasted mafia, mafioso movies and roles into the future, you know? And, and I think he, he like played that role well. I mean, no one likes being typecasted, but like I was kind of disappointed that like we didn't kind of like see more of him, you know, after The yeah. Sopranos and in kind of similar roles. He did that one show. What was it like Detroit 142 or something like that? He was a cop playing on that show mm. but it didn't, yeah. it didn't make it i i agree with you on that and this kind of ties to the next point uh david chase uh stated in an interview that some of his favorite characters included christopher and uncle jr be mainly because of their self-pity arrogance and selfishness i think they ruined the uncle jr character as the show went on i didn't like the whole dementia angle that happened i didn't like yeah. what they did to him that was kind of a depressing thing too you know you talk about the cancer thing that was very depressing to see in the end yeah uh, yeah, I, I like the guy. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that, that was kind of downhill. Like the whole thing with Tony's mom and all that, kind of like, I don't know. Like, it was all weird. It was weird. Yeah, weird it, stuff. very yeah. weird stuff. Very weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, this next one. HBO was worried that the title of the series would make the audience think it was about music. That is why there is a gun image in, gun image in the title logo. The network also considered other titles for the show, such as Made in New Jersey. That's an interesting point. Um, I kind of thought music too, you know, soprano being the high singer. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I think once the, you know, the show had a couple episodes and people were talking about it as good as it was, that would have been pretty self-explanatory going forward. But yeah, I could see them, you know, having some thoughts about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd never heard of it. I mean, if, honestly, it was when CAO came out with the cigar that I was like, wait, what, what, what the fuck's this show? And then, <laughs> then it was, then it was on. Yeah. That, that original, that first release they did before they changed the rapper was really good yeah. that soprano when it came out it was yeah. like you know i thought that that when they were using the brazilian rapper on it was incredible that was going to you know and, and you know to tim osgener's credit you know and, and huber and those guys like man that, that was like really one of the the first kind of like lifestyle brand forays into into cigars right and, and doing the licensing thing with hbo and the way they made the box look like a car trunk and I mean, you know, that was that was kind of revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Yep. It was for sure. 
Uh, next one, Stephen Van, Van Zandt's Silvio Dante character was based on a character of the same name in a short story Van Zandt wrote and showed the series David Chase. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. Interesting. Or not. Uh, this next one. Many local New Jersey businesses are used as locations in the series. In the opening credits, we see a shot of a pizza sack called Pizza Land. They get calls for pizza orders from all over the country as a result. In one episode, an actual sporting goods show, Ramsey Outdoor uh, in Paramus was portrayed as going out of business. So many people thought it was a real store. True thing. It's on It's on Route 17, that Ramsey Outdoor store. <laughs> uh, yep. And the Bada Bing was a real place, too. And yeah, but it had a different name, right? Uh, it's called Satin Dolls. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a strip bar. And uh, I have been in it, okay? Because I'm not going to lie. I have been in it. And uh, they did do filming, actually, in that. So uh, it's it's they would do the filming at like six in the morning. They told me for for a lot of those scenes. Yeah, I mean, show locations are a big deal for yeah. for some people. I get you know you know anything from a movie or whatever. If it's a real place, people go nuts over it and stuff like that. Like people still go crazy over that Christmas Story house, right? So you get know, all all kinds of wild things going on. Oh, dude, I live well near my house. There's the Home Alone house and uh, yeah. and Cameron's house from Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, and it's right. like. It is. It's like a, it's like a tourist attraction. It's yeah. unreal. That sporting goods episode was such a good episode, dude. Oh, yeah. Where they're in there and they're like, they're, they're busting like, that place out. The guy, like, buy more coolers. Buy yeah. more coolers. And it's like, just red. Like, <laughs> shitting on the guy as he goes along. Like, uh, totally. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, that was a good episode. I forgot about that one. David Chase uh, claims the relationship between Tony and his mother Livia was based on his relationship with his own mother Norma. Livia is also the name of a uh, the Roman emperor's wife. Uh, Roman emperor's Augustus's conniving, murderous wife, especially portrayed in I Claudius. That's the first thing I thought of was I Claudius with the Livia name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that takes balls to admit to that, man. I, I don't feel like I, I, feel like that, that, I feel like that's not something you'd want to like tell people. <laughs> no, that was absolutely. Well, I, you have to bet his mom's dead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, well, I wonder if the beehive shooting the beehive thing was right. Uh, now I noticed next. I did notice this next fact. Uh, the opening credits of the first three seasons are notable for one significant difference from the rest of the seasons, in that there's a shot of the World Trade Center um, visible in Tony Soprano's passenger side window, which was for obvious reasons removed after 9/11. I did notice they did that when that. Happened. And that was the only change for the entire running of the series, correct? That was the only change they did yeah. for the for the credits, other than the names. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was you know because that was 2002 when the fourth season happened and. Um, it was like, I remember I didn't see the show in 2002. I, I watched it later, but mm -hmm. when I got that, it was very obvious that why I, I noticed right away it was removed. Yeah. All right. We've got two more here. Whenever an actor or actress would go to David Chase to complain about his or her own character, uh, arguing that the character would never do this or that thing. Um, okay, let me read this again. Whenever an actor or actress would go on David Chase to complain about his or her own character, arguing that the character would never do this or that thing, it has been reported multiple times that Chase would respond, who told you it is your character? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. And the last one, uh, Drea DeMatteo, who played Adriana, had to spend four hours in hair and makeup before shooting each episode in order to achieve the mob girl look. It took two hours to prepare her hair, and in the instances in which her arms, legs, and torso were uncovered, an hour and a half to apply makeup to cover the tattoos. 
It's dedication. It's dedication is what I was saying. And uh, kind of very much a stereotypical. She had more of a stereotypical Brooklyn look to me. Uh, than mm-hmm. New Jersey. Growing up in Brooklyn, I can just tell you, was, she much more looked like a Brooklyn girl than a New Jersey yeah. girl, is what I'll say. All right. And that's our Soprano segment for this week. So, Alex, uh, I want to thank you very much for your time. Uh, very generous time. Uh, pleasure to get to know you. I look forward to like, continuing to get to know you more. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know our paths will cross maybe in person at some point, too. Well, probably in July. Are you going to the PCA? Yes. Yep. Definitely, man. Well, let's get a beer. Let's get a beer and come out to the media house, too. You're welcome to come yeah. out there and hang out. Oh, dude, that'd be, yeah, that'd be awesome. Too. I, totally. Okay, great, love great. I look forward. Yeah, let's definitely make that happen. Sweet. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much again. Best of luck to you. Uh, check out CigarPage.com if you haven't already. And uh, we'll see you very soon. Yeah, definitely. And thank you to all the customers who've, who've supported us and uh, look forward to continuing to do so. Thanks, Thanks Alex. a lot, Alex. Take all care, right. buddy. All right. Later, man. See ya. The one, one and only Alex Benson of Cigar Page. And we got one more segment we're going to do. And uh, first, what I'll do is uh, do a word from the remaining sponsors. And uh, first up, uh, J.C. Newman. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and today, 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hall, J.C. Newman will premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua and it's where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Coram, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco at A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans have founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders at a Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market, each containing, uh, excuse me, now the Cuevas family is bringing their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, the Casa Cuevas Habano, Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, and Patrimonial line, as well as the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas, Casa Cuevas cigars from our casa to yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura the Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican rapper would delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura the Explorer and explore the wonderful experience. And we get into our industry deliberations segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca. Visit DTT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Aaron, I've been before we get into this, I, I've been private messaged on this twice by okay. two people. I am not calling for Joe Girardi to be fired over one game. But I am getting concerned over the last three games. The last three, the, the Texas series was more concerning to me in a lot of ways. But this was, yeah. But you don't fire a manager over one game. Uh, but no. unfortunately, you gotta, I'm not ready to can Girardi. No. 
Uh, has he done a good job? No. I mean, he's had a very bad week. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I, I, I mean, if you fire Girardi, Aaron, in my opinion, you give up on the season at this point. You're saying you give up on the season. And I don't think that would send the wrong message to everybody. Yeah. Um, you don't want to bring him back after this year. That's a total valid option. Right. If he's like 80 and 82 again, I, I get it. But I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I don't think we fire him at this point. Right. Um, it's a long way to go. It's a long season, guys. 162 games. Yeah. All right. So, Aaron, these were kind of, I, I wanted to leave these just for me and you because I think these are things that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing or another. These are some just rapid fire comments uh, of things going on in the industry over the past uh, few weeks. So, I'll start off with uh, if you haven't heard, folks haven't heard, there's been a major crackdown on YouTube with a lot of people having videos flagged, uh, warnings being issued, strikes being issued. It's like basically, if you get three warnings, you're off YouTube forever. So, some people have gotten first and second strikes. Um, and it's led to a lot. I mean, it's led Brian Glenn left YouTube. Um, I know that um, Bob the Cigar Guy got flagged. I, I think Kevin Kevin from Cigar Prop had his Drew Estate video removed. Um, and I think there were a few others uh, that I heard as well. Um, you and I had some, some specific thoughts on this, right? Yeah. Um, what I'll say is I'm going to just preface this by saying, and I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I don't think anyone was breaking any rules with, with their videos, at least uh, for the most part. Would you agree with that? <laughs> Um, I'm not clear on the YouTube rules necessarily. Um, so if there's promoting and you know, like the sales of tobacco, I can see how those rules were broken. Kevin sent me a message this, uh, over the week on a uh, Kevin from cigar prop. And he thinks that the problem was that there were links that were the links flagged these, a lot of these guys. And he thinks okay. that's what happened with him with Drew state that when it flagged it, um, there's kind of an external connotation that um, there's a retail connection. Okay. So, for example, you won't see a link in the YouTube video for Alex's cigar page. I mean, I'm just because I, I that would be, I'd be afraid that that would get the YouTube video struck there. Right, right, right. Um, so I think that's kind of what, if I had to put together, I've seen Brian have some links in there as well, like when he does unboxings and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm hoping that, but I don't want to be naive that that's the case. Like they could strike me or you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that this is actually done by some automated system. I think that they're somehow they've gained the attention of somebody at YouTube, he said whether that that's too. somebody said, that's reporting them or yeah. that's they, somebody that has had an interaction with them outside of YouTube and maybe doesn't like them and wants to do, take action. That's a possibility as well. Um, so, uh, and I think it's unfortunate for tobacco that it's in this area where, you know, people may not say anything in regards to what's being done because it's something like, well, this is already kind of in an iffy territory. So we'll just kind of let it slide. So um, I think it's a, a tough to fight it, um, but really the options for elsewhere to go are slim as well. I think everybody's trying to explore different avenues, but I think this is almost kind of somewhat similar to like when everybody was going to, you know, 
leave Facebook for all the cigar related stuff and go to MeWe or wherever else they were going to go. Um, I think that, you know, the options are out there, you know, may not be in the format that they want to be able to do their videos in, but we'll have to see what they work out. Yeah. I, I've heard people talk about rumble and what I can tell you, what I've learned about rumble is there's some specific, there's some very strict licensing. Like you got to be real careful. how you license these videos. Like, so, because when you put them out there, you, you could basically say that rumble has the rights to these things, right. They mm-hmm. can do what they want. And I don't want to do that. Now there is an option where you could just say rumble has no right, but they basically, I think it's going to hurt you in like searches and stuff like that. Right. So, so it's a, it's an option you have. I've, I've been putting videos out on Odyssey, but Odyssey has very little traction right now is what I'll say. Yeah. So I don't see people like going to Odyssey uh, as a replacement for YouTube. By right. any means. So, I mean, I, there are options out there and I guess you have to deal with those options when, when the card, if, if there's strikes that happen, but, but yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, I just, like I said, I, um, it's a shame that's happened to these guys. I, I don't, right. I don't wish this on any of these guys. Uh, so uh, it's unfortunate that that has happened. All right. This next one. Wrist day of JSK's war on the cigar media. Has been absolutely <laughs> is, is war the correct word for this? <laughs> I don't know. It's a one-sided attack. I don't see anyone like, uh, you know, happening with that. So I, I don't. You're I, all ganging up against him. What do you think he's gonna do? No, nothing's been said on him. Like what? Are, I, I, <laughs> you're, you've all blacklisted him. No, I just. It's no different than I know as Zion have it. I, look, he, according, he was on how about that? Like he was in a comment chat on how about this guy. He said, "I'm no longer on the media list." Right. 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 What, right. what am I going to say? I can't argue with him. I, I, understand. I understand. I understand too. I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. Right? But in my opinion, I don't think it's doing you any good, Riste. Yeah. Now he's going after the Fuente, uh, meet the professor guys. Right. I, I just don't think this is going to help you in any way. I mean, if you if you're frustrated, I get it. Um, it doesn't mean I don't cover you. And by the way, Riste. Just because you cut me off a list doesn't mean I'm not going to cover you anyway. So uh, if there's a story I see that's worth it, I'm, I'm going to do it. Uh, but he has a right to do that. I mean, certainly if I'm not covering him, it's yeah, I mean, share on that. no, I, th- I don't think he's, he's not. He hasn't never been a stranger to controversy. And, I, you know, I think he kind of thrives on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, he likes to kind of do things a little differently. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think when that, you know, that things like this happen, he's going to try to, you know, spin it in a way that, you know, brings him some attention and, he, he can run with that. So yep. uh, it works out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Along those lines, the whole announcement of the proposed flavor ban. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I think it's a while before we see any kind of real, real movement on that. Uh, you know, has to go open for comments and then uh, they have to review the comments and then the lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I'm very curious to see, uh, how the cigar industry gets behind this. Um, you know, how, does everybody come together for this? Do particular players come together for this? And uh, because uh, there are particular players that have a lot of money that this is a big deal for. So you will, you will see a pretty big fight, I think, uh, if this goes in that direction. So uh, I'm curious to see how, how it plays out. I, I agree. You know, I think... Um... You know, this came up on KMA, the whole characterizing flavors. And here's the thing. I don't think we'll ever get said 
anyone will ever tell us, like if we, if, let's say they ban characterizing flavors and a manufacturer says you can't say chocolate or cocoa, right? Or, right. right. or uh, baking spices, right? I don't think they'll, I don't think we could be censored on that under the first amendment, but will it lead to, it, will companies get upset if we start mentioning that for, for starters? And will that lead to eventually the FDA cracking down harder on what cigar media could do? That's something longer term. Like they could ban cigar media instead, but they can't. I don't think they could take our right away from saying that. Can they ban cigar media? Uh, you could no longer have uh, cigar advertising on cigars. It goes back to the whole Fernand thing, right? Advertising, yes, but that doesn't. You could but, do it. But can they say a cigar podcast is advertising? That's what they did to Fernand. That's what I'm. No, they can't say it. it's you have free speech. You can say what you want. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but if it's I could see I could see if it is, if advertising for cigars is banned. Yes, I understand that. Right. But you can talk about cigars if you want. They can't. There's nothing they can do about it. Right. So YouTube can take us down. That's yes. right. They're a private entity. Correct. Right. Correct. I don't like it, but yeah. But yeah, I, see I mean, that. your your uh, I guess your web host could say we don't allow that or whatever and you have to find somewhere else or you have yeah. to host it your, yourself but you can't just out they can't outright ban yeah. the discussion of it and if you're going to describe flavors you're going to describe flavors there's nothing they can they like that's there's nothing they can do about that yeah i mean there was another thing that was interesting a few weeks ago uh, my wife who does a lot of the editing was uh, somewhere else and she was using the uh the wi-fi and the firewall actually blocked her from going to cigar coop and, oh, interesting. And it was because of tobacco. Right. Uh, she, she went and asked, the, the, and they said, uh, it was actually over at a, a learning center is what I'll say it was. Uh, and yeah, so it was, she had to go through her phone to do my editing that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We didn't talk about this one uh, publicly. I don't know. This is a, so it, we're going to have Scott Pierce on in June, and then we'll talk to him more about this. Right. It appears that the PCA has changed the trade show hours from 10 to 5 to 11 to 6. Okay. Did it really get moved to 11? That's what I saw. That's what I saw on that. That now the early access is 10 a.m. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I hate it. I absolutely, this is terrible, I think. Uh, it actually killed a couple of plans we have because okay. we we really want to, you know, we had a little problem with backups last year. Yeah. So we had plans to use the time from like after the trade show to sure. when we go, do night stuff to kind of do our backup time. And now right. that's going to cut severely into that hour is going to be a severe cut into it. Uh, it's back up in the morning. Yeah, we're going to be getting up early. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so I think this hold- plays into the whole thing about you know when people are there, they're out late at night, and sometimes they're late to the booth in the morning. So this gives them a little bit of lead so, time. So now to they do come that. to the booth at noon instead of like they're late by an hour <laughs> to begin with. So now they're going to come to the booth at noon. Like, that's yeah. the way it's going to be, man. And they're going to have drinking on the floor at, at, at from six, so <laughs> they're, like, they're going to have the happy hour every day. Four to like seven. It. Four to seven. Four to seven. There you go. So it's the, the last couple hours at a trade show you're gonna have yes now, uh, yes now you're gonna have cigar industry people run into the bar right yeah. i'm not talking to the retailers but they'll do I'm talking <laughs> to the exhibitors and cigar media and like yeah yeah i don't think it's by the way i don't think it's free drinks 
I, I, if I'm wrong, I don't think it's free drinks you're getting, by the way. I don't think it's free either. Yeah. So but, people may look at the price. I don't know how they're going to price it. So I don't want to. We'll talk to Scott more about it. It might be free on the first day because they have a sponsor for that right now. So possibly. Who's the sponsor? Do you remember? Toscano. Oh, okay. that makes sense. But that one makes a little sense, with, I guess. Di Serrano for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have Michael do pairings. So yeah, that's, okay. that's right. And the last thing uh, this week, uh, the whole CRA thing, you and I didn't talk about that yet. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's been a little controversy since, like, the whole thing with the CRA put the meme up, right? And, you know, I, I made some comments, a couple of other people made some comments, and people saying we shouldn't have went after the CRA on this, right? Right. There are other podcasts who said we should not go after the CRA on this. I totally disagree with it, but I also have told people I'm not anti-CRA. I'm telling people join the CRA, blah, blah, blah. But they need to fix this stuff, in my opinion. It, it is uh, it is not good right now. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not, like, outraged one way or the other based on the, the meme and stuff like that. Um, no, I'm not either. I mean, that's fine. They fix <clears throat> that. But, but um, if you, you know, Aaron, if you go look at the PCA's Instagram page, right? Yeah. I think, look, we beat the PCA up on a lot of stuff. They're actually doing a good job with social media over the last year. Right. They're putting alerts out there. They're alerting people on the trade show things. I think it's it's good. Um, like, I don't understand what CRA is doing right now. They put pictures. Now there's, they got rid of the memes and there's pictures of cigars now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a consumer organization. Maybe they're trying to do some sort of engagement that way. I, I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'll admit I'm not a member. I've never been a member. I don't plan to be a member. Um, I just don't know what, you know, I'm not really sure what the organization does. So, um, you know, I, but it didn't outrage me that they were putting up memes about stuff that it, are, it, you know, it, it, it co comedic. But it did because, you know, they should be, you're paying money for this and, in my opinion, a Facebook. I guess if you're a member, yeah, you could be. Maybe you're upset that your dollars are going towards that. I guess, but I can't really chime in since I don't pay them. Right, I get that. Um, you know, like I said, the whole thing with me is, you know, I don't know. I just like look at that. I'm like, you guys could do better. I mean, if someone's doing that, right? Whoever was doing that, I don't have a problem if they do that on their personal Facebook page. Right. I, you know, but if you're doing it on a, on the, on the organization webpage. I do have a little bit of a problem with that. So, sure. and again, it's, it's, it's where my money is going, but right. I also think there's some good folks on the CRA board and I'm, I'm confident they'll fix it, but uh, I'll go, I'm going to give them to the trade show and see what happens. Yeah. Um, hopefully they'll have a, like, they need to have a booth at the trade show where they're signing up retailers. If they want to build membership, uh, um, that's what they should be doing. They shouldn't be going around like trying to do media's job. And right. Oh, by the way, if you want to, there's a lot of media out there. You can, easily share that content and yeah. that's totally fine that's advocacy if you're sharing the content so right uh, but you don't need to do that as well yeah all right all right Aaron anything else I don't think so all right so uh, good show tonight um next week uh I will be doing the show uh from Orlando with Jeff Borschwitz. Aaron, you'll probably be joining late. Right? Might be a little late, yeah. It'll be a little late. Uh, we, I don't have the time nailed. I got to nail the time down with Jeff, but it's going to be a little earlier time because of uh, I have a, I can't, even though I'm in Orlando, I have a very long drive where I have to go. 
So uh, I, I want to get home like uh, at a reasonable hour. Guys, can't get home. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a long day. So it's uh, but yeah, we'll be with Jeff. It's always entertaining for sure. Um, so I'm working on him. Uh, he did reject the impossible meat idea. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, we tried to get White Castle last year. It didn't work out. But, but yeah, so we'll have that time announced uh, probably the next day or two. Um, I think we're going to be up against the Drury State uh, freestyles. I think that's we'll probably time it after that is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So, um, But, yeah, that's it. All right. I right. uh, want to thank our audience. want to thank Alex. Aaron, thank you as always. Yep. That's going to wrap up Primetime Episode 226 into the Annals of History for this Cinco de Mayo 2022, now May 6th, Friday on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys.